it, you get suggestions for programs. You know, when you kind of go on your streaming service, whatever it sort of says, yeah, do you want to continue watching whatever? Um, or do you want to, yeah, or here's some suggestions about things you might like. Quite the convention sort of engineering programs popped up. But I noticed, and you'll be very pleased, Jamie, they've got the complete Red Dwarf. So yes. I have started watching Red Dwarf from Series 1, Episode 1 again. Good man, because uh, UK if it, that will be UK TV Play because that is yeah Dave who yeah have the rights for uh, uh, Jason. I, I fully understand that it is going to be baffling, but yes, we have a TV channel called Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about that. Like, I mean, <laughs> some of the things we call things here is yeah, no, that's fine. But Dave. I love I, it. It's like a men's oh, TV. It's, a bit, it's like it's sort of yeah, like a TV. Exactly. Nice. TV. I want that here. Yeah. I want that here. It's it's great. It's a you know, it's all it's it's bits of sci-fi and bits of comedy and bits of like car programs and car programs and home improvement stuff and it just it's just like relatively innocuous, just throw it on in the background kind of TV. Oh, yeah. Good. But it's it's yeah, just one day they just decided to, to rebrand and basically just went, yeah, we're going to change the name of the TV channel to just Dave. I love, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I want to I want a sister program or something like that called Steve here. That'd be great. <laughs> and, and we can have crossover episodes with Steve and Dave. <laughs> that would be amazing. Imagine being in the in kind of the, the brainstorming meeting. Yeah, it's like, we need to rebrand. Yeah. Okay. Any suggestions? Uh, how about we've UK been UK TV, TV? We've been UK TV yeah. Play. We've been UK Gold. I think they were at one point. Some, some some guy in the corner who's had a few too many, or is just a bit too tired. Goes, why don't we call it Dave? <laughs> That's me. That's me in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> call it Dave. I don't ever vote on it. It's a bit like sort of boaty McBoat face. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the um the 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 um the snowplows as well and how they keep getting yes. more and more and more and it's just now a perpetual thing. I love it so much. I, it, it's it just seems to be uh I mean it, it's internet culture, isn't it? That that you know when when given the opportunity to vote on something, we forget that there's a difference between the internet and the outernet. And it's that kind of like maybe we shouldn't call it that, but well, maybe we should. But also, what's stopping us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, whatever it was, David Attenborough in the end, I think, isn't, isn't it? Rather than voting with both faces. Which, which, to be fair, I mean, yeah, he is a. It's a, it's a, a it's good, a great name. kind of it's a, a compromise institution mm -hmm. for, yeah. for what he's done for kind of you know, preserving wildlife and making people aware of the mm. beauty mm. of the planet that we happen to be on. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I think, I think it was right. I think it was the right decision, kind of, yeah, because I, I think, yeah, it's that. Yeah, and I think that the fact that they, they allowed one of the lifeboats on it to be named Boating with Boatface, yeah. I think yeah. it's, it's a good consolation, at least. That's a, yeah, that's a good compromise. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes you've got to have kind of an adult in charge that kind of just goes, "Yep, yeah, we hear you." Well, but we're going to call it this. Yeah, but so here's a question though for Andy: 
because there, there is a, a, a smidge of an age gap between the two of us. A smidge, what, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm almost uh, old even enough a, to be your father, yeah. Technically, but <laughs> biologically, definitely. Yeah, but even you know, like if the doorbell goes and I open the door and they say, you know, it's like immediately if it's someone official looking, I sort of turn around to look and see if there's an adult present. <laughs> do you still do that now, Andy? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not, not so much if somebody knocks on the door. I mean, somebody knocks on the door, I just get kind of, yeah, why have you disturbed me? This better be important. <laughs> yeah. I, so there's, the, yeah, the grumpy old man is, is definitely there. Yeah. yeah. This is better not be somebody wasting my time. Um, which it normally is, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, you parcel, but there's, there's still, yeah, I don't mind that. I don't mind people giving me giving me things. When it's sort of somebody kind of knocking on the door, going, "You like to vote for?" Or yeah, <laughs> are you interested in? Like, no. Um, but I still, I, I still find myself sometimes, Kenya, yeah, in my head. Maybe not so much mm. about things like yeah, somebody knocking at the door, but there'll be other times when it's like I still responsible feel like the, yeah, I still feel like the fourteen-year-old in my head sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and it, and not just about sort of silly humour stuff either. Just kind of yeah, just smirking about you know, particular combinations of numbers that just happen to fit together nicely, or um, other things like that. Yeah, it, it's kind of. Yeah, sometimes you kind of go... And everyone I'm... still laughs at 518008. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially especially those who saw what the old enough calculators were. Yeah, kind of, that's all the fun you could have with them. Yeah. The, yeah I mean, it's things like, yeah, sometimes you kind of... You know, people are making decisions about things. And you think, like, why should I be making this decision? How am I... And then you kind of think about, yeah, you, you see something on TV and you realise that people are making some really important decisions are younger than you. Mm -hmm. well how 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 are these people making this how are these people allowed to be in charge when they're kind of this is like oh yeah actually they're 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 in their late 20s their 30s they already are quite experienced people (laughs) yeah they they may have already quite a decent career in something i I, like with teaching yeah i mean I, i spent over 20 years teaching and i'm i i generally believe that it takes about five years to establish yourself as a teacher mm. to get. And, and I, th- I suspect this is probably a lot of careers. Yeah. You might qualify, you might get trained. And, and obviously there's careers like doctors, whereas, you know, the, uh, where it's a very long training process. Yeah. But if you consider sort of most things, you know, most jobs, you know, you, you can become trained. Assuming you're already kind of qualified in something if obviously if you're doing a degree and then going to a job you're talking three years if you're thinking about something like teaching you know, you've already got a degree and then it's a year to sort of train mm. and after that i'm convinced it takes about five years to become to come sorted in your in your kind of your skills that's not to say that there aren't more things to learn yeah that things change yeah I mean, certainly in education yeah the times when people thought learning styles were an important thing um now they're pretty much being discredited as just some more gumpf um that's not to say that they aren't necessarily useful in certain circumstances but certainly in schools and classrooms they're not 
So it's, it's sort of that kind of like once all the levels of, of being suitably jaded and yeah, and, you've, and, you've, and also, you've seen you've had this is a, getting a number of different types of experience. You have different types yeah. of school environments, different pupils going through curriculum fully. I mean, think about you it, in the UK, yeah, secondary education start at eleven, finish at eighteen. That's built. That's broken down into three sections. Uh, what we call key stage three, which is sort of 11, 12, and 13, then key stage four, which is uh, 15 and 16. Some schools, that's instead of three and two, it's two and three. Uh, although our lovely organization called Ofsted don't seem to like that at the moment. But uh, let's not go down there. Don't want to do a rant thing. And then there's got yeah, what we call A levels, key stage five, which is kind of 16 to 18, where kids go from doing sort of eight to 12 subjects down to three or four. And really sort of specializing and so each one of those it's a different it's yeah if you're going through if you're taking a group of kids through there's at least three years to do one of those to do all those cycles and to have done them once so yeah over five years you'll have done those cycles yeah, a couple of times and yeah that really helps to kind of embed things and it's in some in some nations they won't have like in the uk I have taught, I mean, because of the schools I've been at, I've taught from nine-year-olds to 18-year-olds, actually eight-year-olds, eight-year-olds to 18-year-olds. Now, that's quite unusual. Most people will teach in secondary from 11 to 18. Mm -hmm. Now, that's, yeah, that's seven different year groups and potentially different classes within some of those year groups. So quite a bit of variety of what you teach. Some schools, like in America, you know, they often focus on, say, one year group. Mm. So you're, you're really kind of getting <clears throat> embedded into one section of the curriculum. Now, I mean, do you have that. any jumps between sort of age groups or year groups as well? Like um, you know, sort of major jumps because that would be quite a different experience. I'd you get it sometimes. I mean, because I'm a, I'm a physics specialist. So sometimes what you'll find happening is that you won't teach because there's a few and far between. Yeah, we just do not have enough physics yeah. specialists in the, in the UK. So you end up not teaching, for example, some of the younger kids mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you'll they need your specialism for the for the older kids. Yeah. So biology yeah, teachers do the science, general science, lower down. So sometimes there's chunks. You miss out on year groups. And my first school, they didn't give me uh, what we call sixth form, the 16 to 18 year olds straight away because um, there weren't that many doing physics or physics related things. So, yeah, it took a bit of time to get into that. And then, yeah, depending on when you move school, sometimes they go, oh, right, you're new to the school. We won't have you doing the exam groups this year. Get yourself sorted out and we'll do those next year. So you sometimes find yeah. that happening. Mm -hmm. um, it depends on your subject. I mean, there's some subjects aren't taught below 16 years old. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you get them and you, like, you throw those teachers in you know, like, on a cover lesson to somebody else. It's like, what are these little things? <laughs> yeah. Why is everyone shorter in here? I think, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think I think in any career it takes time to kind of master or reach an element of mastery. Is probably a better way of putting it. Yes. Yeah. Over mm -hmm. a, a, it takes time to do that. Yeah. If you, it's that whole like, sort of concept of like the ten thousand hours thing, isn't it? It's exactly. It's, yeah. I think whether exactly. it's specifically ten thousand hours or whether it's just focused dedication to learning and practicing a particular thing for a certain amount of time 
Yeah, and I, I, I don't think the number is necessarily exact. I mean, if you if you practice badly for ten thousand hours, you, yeah, you may still be pretty rough. Yeah. Um, although you may be better I've than the few people that like that. Yeah. yeah. But then, if you if you practice well and if you're a quick learn, yeah, you might actually master. Mm. I, I'm possibly not, you know, concert level pianist, but yeah, you might get there with a thousand hours, yeah, for a particular skill. Yeah, it depends on the skill as well. Yeah, definitely. And, oh, totally. and I think how many how many other things are sort of interlaced with that skill? Um, Transferable well. skills between. Yeah. Well, I mean, like design, for example, um, you know, you might be pulling knowledge from a lots of lots of different areas. So part of that mm -hmm. 10,000 hours is sort of doing the projects and getting that real world experience to, to go, oh, I, I use this part in, in this design or, you know, I know of this standard or I know of this tool within the program that will do something completely outside of the box to achieve what I want to achieve mm -hmm. over here. Um, those those little the one percent things. Yeah. That's all about kind of eighty twenty as well, isn't it? The, that, uh, I forget who it was that coined that. Pareto. But, um, that's the fellow. Pareto. Eighty percent of your uh, profits come from twenty percent of your clients. Originally, mm. an economy. But, yeah, it, it's it's been sort of reapplied to uh, learning methods or to yeah 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 umpteen different things. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's it, it works. It really does work. Yeah. It, you can apply it to, yeah, back to education. Yeah. 80% of your behavioral problems will come from 20% of your kids. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah you, you can apply it to. And education in, in specialisms, you know, as you, mm. like you said before about your number of subjects, you know, as you, as you trim those down, as you specialize, whether it's through school and then into college and then into university and then into mastery and then in, into sort of doctorate levels you, you're constantly trimming down the specialism aren't you? yeah i mean i mean this i saw an interesting kind of sort of almost like a pie chart once but it was it was multi-layered almost like an onion across like the bubbles where you kind of talk about education and you get a narrow and narrow and narrow and you kind of like yeah. you get this tiny little yeah, thin tiny little... section on the outside it's like that's a phd there mm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah the, the, what was that the world's knowledge one and then yeah just to increase that just a little bit yeah when you know the the one answer to that one very specific question that only three people in the world are ever going to ask but you don't know how to tie your own shoelaces <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but this is what i like about the making movement because you know you get that ability to sort of take something and go I was doing that with such and such a medium, but actually we could transfer that over to this particular thing. Mm -hmm. We've done this in plastic. Will it work in chocolate? Very yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. And now there is a chocolate 3D printer. Yeah. I'm glad it doesn't go the other way because having plastic bars um, when I'm wanting a snack would be rubbish. <laughs> Well, depends which you're made from. It's good fiber, I suppose. Yeah, PLA, I suppose, is, is starch based, isn't it? So it's about PLA is food of... safe, right? Yeah. <laughs> Vaguely similar sugar content. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what the nutritional content of PLA is. Probably not too dissimilar to cereal boxes, I would imagine, because that's been <laughs> tested, hasn't it? I, yeah. I, feel, I feel that. that 
answer to that one specific question. <laughs> <laughs> There's that PhD funding we were talking about. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Get some get some funding to find out the nutritional content of PLA. Yeah, it's like right, we need to we need to fund this because three people on a podcast talked about it. Therefore, <laughs> the question needs to be answered. <laughs> I can see that as well because because um, I'm in the uh, the Woodside Lab Discord server. And we've got the the new new people asking lots of things, and um, and uh, you know, and Zach Friedman does a lot of, of filament reviews and those sorts of things. So we we see a lot of what's the best filament. Oh, all right, well, what's your price range? <laughs> Pop in there like this one has the best calorie content. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this one's but, slightly but, better on your macronutrients, but uh, yeah. this one's going to cause you. Polymaker has issues. great minerals compared to the average. <laughs> has the orange one got vitamin C in it? <laughs> oh, no, we all just need to spam that Discord server now. Just asking, you know, like if if I consume orange and yellow and green filaments, you know, kind of vaguely regularly, will it, you know, fight off scurvy? Or... <laughs> Might give you rainbow poop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jason, we, we did say it would go yeah. straight off on tangents. <laughs> Everything returns to poo. Yeah. <laughs> Natural process, yeah. <laughs> Oh, crikey. <laughs> uh, I'm very hot today. Yeah, my, bra my brain's been uh, slightly delirious with heat. I think. Mm. It's uh, so I'm in Australia. It's it's 6.47 in the morning here. So this is a great way to start. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of heat delirious Brits kind of throwing random topics at you. <laughs> Oh, I've been exam marking all day as well, so it's not really, oh. really yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the hidden part of jobs, isn't it? Um, just like teaching, for example. I love, I love kids. You know, like seeing them develop and that sort of stuff. They don't, they don't sort of really oh, in, in the brochures of your, your career paths and whatever. They don't really talk too much about the the hours of marking that you do in your downtime. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not in a school anymore, so for me, the marking is yeah, it's a paid event that gives me, yeah, it gives me some pocket money for the summer because I, I I tutor the rest of the year and I, I don't have any tutees over the summer, so yeah, it lets me it lets me do stuff over the summer and yeah, maybe buy a new, attempt to buy a new camera. I really like to buy a new camera, a smaller one, but I don't know, I don't know. Um, there's also a new bandsaw kind of toying around in my. <laughs> this yeah it's but yeah it's because it's it's exam marking so it's unlike if it was for my own students the days of when it was my own students yes yeah, like just top on tops onto your your, your week yeah and if it's mm -hmm. exam session you go from a 50 hour week to a 70 hour week quite mm -hmm. easily mm -hmm. um but now this is this is public exams so it's yeah it's I get to, instead of marking kind of 30 or maybe 60 or possibly even 90 if you've got sort of three classes of uh, I've literally got something like uh, I only have to mark five questions but I've got to mark 2,200 of each of those five questions 
by the end of the month. You need that Homer Simpson rocking bird thing that just knocks the yes key. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. It's like that. It is like that sometimes. It is like that sometimes. It's just like, but if you, if you kind of, yeah, if you're not paying attention to kind of how tired you are, it's just like you keep tapping and you kind of, yeah, it's just like you're just giving a bunch of kids, yeah, zero or five, one. Five, on. five, five, yeah. five, nine. Oops. It's like the, that's like they're working from height certification here. So legally, height is about two inches. Uh, so anything above that, you have to be certified to work at height. Um, and the uh, so step ladders, technically, you have to be certified to work at height on a, on a step ladder um, or platform shoes. Um, so <laughs> so uh, the, the the certification for that is uh, you know here's here's the questions. You know, go through the freaking PowerPoint. Here's the questions. So all right. We'll go through the answers together just to make sure that everyone's um, has fully understood the content. And, you know, the, 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 you, you get the uh, the question sheet before you start the presentation as well, and it's just one of those where the questions <laughs> are the same as the ones from the PowerPoint presentation. Mm. Um, someone failed that test, um, <laughs> and, and they handed it back, um, and, and and the teachers you know come in and. and it's just like the, the, the color circles with the overlays. They go, oh, this one, this one, this one here. Um, look, I mean, this one probably, you know, I mean, the answer's C, probably. Like, I mean, that's probably the most correct one for that. Um, this one is probably the most correct one for this. It's probably the most correct one for that. Um, here it is. If you need an eraser, just ask me. And uh, we'll <laughs> look, you just, just hand it back in, in in 10 minutes. I'll just do the, the other ones for now came back and there was another one wrong on it he said look i really think the answer is c for this one so have a think and see what you, you come up with anyway the, the guy managed to pass but yeah yes 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 when you say the guy managed to pass i mean the guy managed to finally listen to the letter being well, it's competency-based now, isn't it, right? So <laughs> he's, he's reached that minimum standard that they require for working at height. So. There's a... Uh, uh, Maybe he was trying to thing. avoid passing. So that he wouldn't <laughs> have to do... Maybe he had vertigo. Maybe he didn't like that. <laughs> Failed to fail Maybe successfully. He... Maybe he had a, a fear of platform shoes and didn't want to be forced into them. <laughs> I don't know what industry is going in. <laughs> there's a, a for riding a, a motorbike over here. There's a, a thing called, delightfully enough, CBT, which is uh, compulsory yes. basic training. Yep. And the, the idea behind it is literally a case of like you, you kind of stood in front of a bike, and there's some cones, and they basically say, "Car bad, don't hit car. <laughs> Stay upright." <laughs> Here's bike. Go forward. Stop. Wiggle around the cones, and then we'll take you out on the road. So it just sounds I mean, like it's 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 a test to weed out AI. It's like pretty much tick, tick the boxes with a bike in it. Yeah. <laughs> like if it this has more than two wheels, don't drive into it. <laughs> if it has two wheels or less, don't drive into it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's very it's it's very much the basic level of like. If we're going to let you out onto the road, just show us that you're not an idiot. 
Yeah, you're going to fall over the second you get on it. Yeah, right? exactly. And, yeah. and I knew someone who, who failed that. And it was a case of like, it's. I didn't think it was actually possible to fail a CPT. It's, it's that kind of thing of you go there, they take you on the road and make sure you don't crash into anyone. And then you, you're good from that point forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that was an eye opener when I, I got that nod of like, oh, yeah, it's, it's fail the CBT. How? It joins in a wait list. <laughs> Failing to eat soup, you know. It's like a very, very sort of basic level of just, right, you are a functional human being, mostly. that That's, that's close enough, you know. When it comes to exams, I, 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 I used to have an ex exam paper at one school who worked at, kind of internal exams. And it was literally, because we, it was for a topic. So rather than an end of year exam, it was more kind of, yeah, we've just been studying electricity for the last two months. Here's an exam just on electricity and nothing else. And there's one particular paper, because we kind of pulled questions from different proper you know, public examination papers to make it up. There was literally a kind of question at one point in the paper that said something like, yeah, what is the unit for potential difference? The volt. But in a previous question, not even in a later question, in a previous question, it said the potential difference on this circuit is 12 volts. <laughs> I like it. Like, if you've actually yeah. read the paper, you should never get that later question wrong. Mm -hmm. But and the, still, and the, still be, this, it would still is... be kids unit. This is this is young people in learning environments, stressful situation of an exam. People can miss things. When you get into a work setting, yeah, and someone has yeah. something like a, a markup written by an engineer that they have to turn pencil drawing or turn pen into CAD, and they read something in one area of the drawing, type it in, and then mark that as done, and then move to the next thing. And can't figure out exactly the same thing that they've just done because the writing was slightly different. And it's literally like they've just done this bit. They could have just copied and pasted it there. Viewport. Don't even do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there are. Some people don't need to engage their brain for what they do, some people just struggle to do so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, we all have different specialisms in life, don't we? We all have different things that we are good at or less good at. I mean, sometimes it's a fish climbing a tree, right? You know. Yeah, ex absolutely. Probably shouldn't have been employed in that role if you're a fish and the job is to climb trees, but you know, beside <laughs> the point. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I firmly believe, I mean, the, the, the education system in, in, in most developed countries, I think, is, is massively flawed. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, how do you assess so exams? Yeah, but yeah, exams are rubbish, but there's nothing better, one could argue. But I, I think we, we miss a trick by not spending more time with young people kind of going, 
Right. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Let's 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 check everyone. See how many people are actually dyslexic, rather than mm. wait for really bad ones mm -hmm. to get sort of. Yeah. I'm really struggling, but yeah, clearly kind of there's an issue. Let's sort it out. Yeah. Let's let's just check everyone. Let's check everyone. But we need more mentors as well as teachers. Yeah. I think. Oh. 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 Yeah. Come yes. Okay. Yeah. Like Jack. Often rant on that one. Um, yeah. Let's let's check everyone for ADHD. Mm -hmm. Because generally, all the, the young people. Well, that... I mean, let, let's just not have the assessment criteria be modelled on fourteen-year-old white boys, and let's expand well, it to well, yeah. any of the other spectrum of demographics that it could apply to. Yeah, you know, the rest of humanity, for instance. <laughs> yeah, but 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 most people, most children that get assessed for ADHD in school, tend to be either that really really naughty kid. Who well, it's a classic understanding it's of what ADHD means, mm -hmm. rather yeah. than... um, which is often kind of associated actually more with poor behavior, which is not necessarily anything to do with ADHD, but is often just a clue of, you know, maybe uh, for one of a better Problems word, put home, it, poor, yeah. poor upbringing combined with ADHD, hmm. or the kid who's kind of you know, is actually well behaved but is quite extreme in ADHD but is trying their best, is well behaved hmm. but actually kind of you know really struggles with that kind of you know just sitting yeah. down and, and maybe getting on with stuff a bit yeah anyone that's kind of maybe high functioning and well behaved they don't get assessed it's the old squeaky wheel gets a grease no yeah if you're flying under the radar then yeah masking well yeah. yeah um as a point of note the the uh levels of functionality is kind of uh going by the wayside now as a yeah. terminology in terms of uh, especially we used to refer to people on the autistic spectrum as you know, sort of high functioning or low functioning and it's yeah. something that we're um, moving away from in the same way that uh, you know things terms like not, ADD not a, not a linear scale as well so yeah but I mean high functioning, high functioning is yeah. that that is kind of that adds barriers to people um yeah. you know that's kind of yeah. uh divisive um, but in terms of things like uh add as a term you know it's it's all under the adhd spectrum which is even that is, is a particularly poor term for what it is um but yeah that kind of more broad understanding of of these spectrum disorders that uh there's a lot of comorbidity between the two uh, or between multiple things so trying to get those uh those understandings of of what makes each individual person rather than oh here's the most appropriate label we'll stick that on you and then stick you in a box kind of thing that's the struggle that we're sort of heading towards should we free people from the boxes that's the thing mm. Mm. Yeah, give them the specific help that they need rather than yeah oh you're annoying you must be adhd or you, you are crap with people therefore you must be autistic or you know that kind of uh stereotyped rubbish well i think i think many i think more time a more refinement of kind of here you know, trying to find careers that match people's interests mm. and skills which considering I mean, I can remember doing a 
kind of computer-based thing a very, very, very long time ago. Yeah, and yeah, it suggested that I should either be a, uh, a Royal Marine officer, a forest worker, or a photographer. You do photography? Uh, yeah, I, I, and I, <laughs> I ended up giving up a photography course to go and actually get a proper job at one point, which I kind of regret because that's See, foiled by the system. Screwed up. Um, I should have stuck with the photography. But it was, yeah, it was just like I, I, the number of people I've heard of us chatted to over the, you know, the last 30 years who've sort of done these things. And it's just like, it, it's not far, it, it's not far different from the kind of days when I was in school, where it was a case of, oh, you're female, you're going to be a nurse. Well, mm. have you thought about nursing? It's like, yeah, you should be a nurse or a secretary. Um, they are your two options or, or yeah. housewife. Yeah. Uh, if you're yeah. a male, you're going to go be an engineer um, of some variant. Yeah. If you can add off, you'll be an engineer. If you can't, you'll be bricklayer, even though yep. there's, there's yeah. a lot of overlap in the skills between those two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad the world has moved on from that nonsense. But uh, it hasn't moved on as far as it should. Oh, no, absolutely. It's a hell of a lot more progress needs to be made it's like a it's like a beach ship though you know it, it, it does take time to to change course um but mm. i would, um at least you know in my part of the world i'm starting to see that the ship is moving generally in ever better directions than it was previously it's certainly still not um steaming along on the same course that it once was um, yeah, and it, it so, sort of gets washed side to side a little bit by the tide as it goes and things. But look, I mean, I'll definitely acknowledge that we're not anywhere near where we should be, but I'll still at the same time celebrate the fact that the the ship isn't continuing on the same old course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've come a long way from where we were. I yeah, I, I I I think that's possibly the kind of the pessimist in me sometimes because I, I although I know deep down that we have changed massively in so many things and improved in so many areas i still kind of sort of see where it should be or closer to where it should be that and mm -hmm. that we're heading in the right direction it still seems sometimes a, a long way off you know I, I say that a lot amongst people and and i think that it can really contribute to the burnout that we feel about about our place as well um a, a lot of people um, that i've spoken to are really down about where the world's at um at the moment and and there's a huge weight um of of being someone in that world knowing that you know getting mixed messages of yes we can make a difference but also feeling so small and insignificant and it's nowhere near what we want and and now being aware as well that it's you know that the you know the back to the analogy the ship in the old direction it was wasn't a good thing um but uh it's it's like they they, they tell you it um on projects that you're working on you know, just making projects and so forth. Uh, you know, you might have a goal of where you want it to be. You might have this grand dream of of the outcome and, and your ideal, but it's still, I think, important to celebrate the progress that you've made, the skills that you've developed and learned, yeah. um, the the new the new ways of thinking that are helping uh, that are helping you um, into the future and what you want to do, um, and then just sort of applying that same sort of thinking to a to a um, to a macro scale, look, I mean, yeah, we're not 
as a society anyway where we probably should be but we've learned uh, and we are nowhere near as bad in many aspects of of the world we are so and, and and like certain maybe sections of the media would like us to believe we are so much better off as a as a planet mm. yeah the amount well, of there's a there's a great book called factfulness by a guy called hans rosling i want to say hans rosling is a well was amazing it, yeah uh, he was um, a great loss when he died but yeah and he would go oh yeah the, the, the amount of poverty in the world yeah it's it's it's, it's not getting any better and yeah, the number of kind of girls, particularly in sort of underdeveloped nations, not getting education. Mm. And if you actually look at the figures, it's so. In talking talking of the figures, he's uh, Hans Rosling was um, instrumental in the Gapminder project, which uh, go and have a look at the, the TED talks on Gapminder or have a look at the website. They have a, a full interactive. Um, media experience if you like uh, for statistical analysis that you can you can pick topics on an x and y of an axis axis and see the progression over time then so you can pick things like um birth rates versus uh income and then show uh that information you know from like 1850 right up through till mid 2000s um, and step it forward year by year and, and see things like the uh, the countries as they improve as you know kind of wages increase and birth rates increase or overall health care or general suffering or uh, infant mortality rates or things like this you can see the changes over time and just see how much progress we've made as a you know individual nations or planetary as a you know as the, as the one population we are. It's a wonderful, wonderful view into the world of statistics and, and just how much progress we've made. Yeah. A to, a to, an area avoided by certain aspects of the media because they they want us to fear. Yeah, assholes. Yeah. Side note, as a uh, slight topic change, I'm going to highlight the uh, the epic T-shirt I'm wearing, by the way, for yes, for the I... video listeners, obviously. <laughs> um, the T-shirt arrived yesterday, but courtesy of uh, the wonderful Neil from uh, NMB Woodworks, who, in a random conversation last week, um, we were talking about my my beard intruding on Maker T-shirts <laughs> and how it ruins the experience. So I love it. He specifically did the t-shirt that just says left intentionally blank for Epic Maker Beard. <laughs> which so you good. can only see the bottom two words that. of. Yeah, I was admiring that when we first started the chat. <laughs> it's very yeah, clever. NMBwoodworks.com. There's, there's some damn good shirts on there. He's a very clever chap, really, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. And just annoyingly nice, you know. You just need a lovely person. Thankfully, given the size of him, because yeah, he's a giant, he's, he's a bit of a giant. But he's gentle giant. He gives yeah. good hugs. This is very true. Yeah. Anyway, as soon as we're forty minutes in, we're almost due an introduction. Yeah. Jason, how are you, sir? Welcome to Maker's Waffle. Thank you. 
Thank you. No, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. It's uh, it's past seven a.m. now, and the second coffee's starting to kick in. It's great. <laughs> Perfect. Almost awake. <laughs> Almost awake. <laughs> no. You're our third Australian guest now. So, yeah, it's... I'm sorry. No, no need to apologize at all. <laughs> Billy, so first. Yeah. And then yeah. Damon. We have Damon. Oh yeah. Not yet, I think. Oh, maybe you're a second Australian guest. That's what I'm, I'm sure I'm, I've, I might I'm be sure wrong. Was, I'm, sure, I'm sure we've spoken to Damon. I'm going to go back and look at the list now. I'll yeah. tell you what, though, Billy's a hard act to follow. Uh, incredible, incredible human being. Yeah. And and that is uh, it's through Billy that we got to No, we him. haven't had Damon. Sorry. <laughs> Damon, you're Sorry. up next. <laughs> yeah, I have to keep on. It'll have to be kind of during sort of uh, school holiday time though, because he's a like the, he's he's another um, Aussie who's encountered snow. All yeah, all five of us, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if by snow we mean just like that that funny powdery stuff in your freezer when you leave the door open, you still get a crack. I, th I, th I think a lot of people don't realise that there are kind of the ski resorts in Australia. There are. There are. are. Just, like, I, was, I, was quite, I was quite surprised the first time I heard because I, I just thought, yeah, it's just <laughs> stupidly hot across the entire um, kind of continent. Well, as, far as, as far as our view of Australia, it's just it is a giant landmass that is all desert apart from three people who live in very isolated bits. I mean, that's accurate. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there also happens to be a, a bit of elevation in, in certain areas, though, and that that sort of brings the, uh, the the snow. I mean, Eddie, you were mentioning you you um uh, the different places that you've lived before before the um, the stream started, and it just reminded me of um, of Japan, um, for example, where um, so you know my my partner's been to Japan, and and we're sort of planning a future trip, and she's just saying like how how hot and tropical some areas are and how utterly freezing the others are and if you look mm -hmm. at it on a map it, it makes sense because the bottom is you know we're, we're talking subtropics and the top we're talking up near you know bordering you know, getting pretty close to russia um, yeah. up there as well it's the same sort of thing with australia um so the northern tip of australia is we're getting we're getting fairly up there it's hell mm -hmm. i don't know why you'd ever go there actually darwin um <laughs> Darwin, the capital city up there, um, has less population than a town outside of Brisbane um, as their capital city. If you look, it's seriously, go and have a look at Darwin on a map. It's fantastic. It's got an airport and a couple of houses around the outside, and that's a capital city. Um, <laughs> I love it. And, and then the, the bottom side, we've got Melbourne. We don't talk about Tasmania, but um, Melbourne. Um, so on the, on the bottom end of, of the landmass down there. It, it's freaking cold down there, um, but because they're so low, they don't have the elevation to, to get the sort of snow. Um, but if you sneak a little bit further up on the Great Dividing Range and the mountain ranges there, yeah, you can, you can get some snow. You can get some snow in, in Australia. Very confused kangaroos, but... Um... <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine they're particularly good on a snowboard or skis. They've well, got maybe skis. Maybe the, I was going to say maybe the skis would be better. They could because they've sort of got the stabilizer at the back, which wouldn't work. Well, they're feature well the skis. Snowboard. You see them? Yeah, yeah they're, they're pretty much there. skis. They, I think they'd be all right on skis. Tail is a rudder. I want to yeah. see a kangaroo in clown shoes now. 
I don't want to be the, the, the person to try and put them into the clown shoes. Oh, God, no. I'll just put the big curly wig on them and put a makeup. <laughs> I don't want to be supposed to try and do that either. Yeah. Speaking of mystery, the, I, I, what was it? it was the we've got the world's largest military restricted zone. I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. I knew we had a military. Well, we've got a you know a bunch of military restricted zones. I didn't know we had the world's largest military restricted zone. Um, and oh, I'm trying to find that. Um, I don't want to get this wrong. Oh. I love um, the sound of a mechanical keyboard in the. In the oh, uh, it's so good. Um, Wilmora, there it is. Wilmora pro, prohibited area, rather, or prohibited zone specifically. Um, it's forty-seven thousand square miles. <laughs> so what you're saying? It's it's a it's bigger than some countries. countries. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it's it's bigger than Tasmania, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, England's fifty thousand squares, isn't it? Something around about that. Fifty thousand square miles for, for England. So yeah, this is forty-seven thousand square miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I looked at it in a map, and it's just a chunk out of South Australia. Right? <laughs> I mean, no one. You, 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 when when we say that no one lives in Australia in, in the bulk of Australia, you're actually absolutely right. I was talking to um to someone from America, um, because you know the population's fairly spread out um, across the east, the west, and the central of America. That is absolutely not the case here. Most of our population is on the eastern seaboard. Um, down to Melbourne, little poke into South Australia, and then you've got Perth randomly on the other side of, of the country. Um, draw a sort of line around that area. Everything else is just nothing. It's just nothing there. Inhospitable. So, so as someone that has lived in Australia my entire life, I did not know we had something almost the size of England as a military prohibited area in, in the guts <laughs> of the country. I'm pretty sure it was Woomera that the British, we had some uh, rocket launches in the 1950s yeah, and 60s. It was the, apparently. So it's was, our fault, probably. Yeah, it was. It's a British base um, <laughs> originally. Um, nuclear testing, I think, originally, um, then missile testing, and then rockets. Um, and it was the world's second most active rocket launch site. Uh, for uh, for many for many years, but it's it's still technically a prohibited zone. You know, they're not going to give it up. It's a fairly significant yeah, yeah. chunk of land. So, um, but a lot of this... how to like detach England from the rest of the UK and fly it across. <laughs> 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 but, um, that's uh, a lot of the stuff they moved to the sort of Alice Springs area, the, the military base out up at Alice Springs, and there's I think there's a Netflix series about about that base out there for whatever reason. That's my okay. trivia. That's the thing that I learned this week. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I can't imagine there's going to be anything even vaguely that kind of 
Well, I mean, obviously there isn't going to be anything that big anywhere else, but I can't imagine there's going to be even anything vaguely close in the US. Obviously, there's, there's oh, nothing that big by far. No, not at all. No, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, you, you have to think about what you can do with that sort of space. Yeah, yeah, gives you. The I don't think there's anywhere to... that's that isn't just an inhabited state that's that size because it's got to be not far off that sort of size, you know, state size. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's fairly large. I mean, some of the kind of northern, mid mid northern states are fairly empty, aren't they? Sort of Nebraska and just alienate our Nebraskan audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us, let us know if you let us know if you're living in Nebraska. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Dakota. Well, one of you, Dakota, you the Dakotas are a bit even more sparse i believe again american listeners let us know if yeah am i getting this badly wrong so you have to look it up on google so i can google it what's better for interaction with the audience i mean it, that's the limitation of our state's knowledge as well there's only i can name at least three more so, so there's, there's, there's like six states in the u.s <laughs> so so the prohibited zone is half the size of indiana for for the those that live in the u.s That's ridiculous. Didn't know about it till this week. There you go. Well, yeah, presumably at some point it was secret. So, yeah, why, why would you know about it if they're keeping it secret? Yeah, it's not. So it's not as if it's like yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in South Wales, and I, I literally used to live exactly fifteen miles from my front door to the top of Penavan, which is the highest point in what used to be called the Bracken Beacons. I still can't. I can't. I need to see it written down to remember the, the Welsh name of it. I was going to say if they if they renamed that, they, they've renamed it. Yeah, they've given it the Welsh name uh, officially. Mm -hmm. Although kind of certain people like our prime minister are refusing to use it. Um, it doesn't surprise me. The the Brecon Beacons is is famous for being used for military training. Uh, as a as a military training camp, uh, which is used for kind of. Uh, infantry leaders, special forces and things as well. Special forces, yeah. The, the UK Special Forces Selection Program for all special forces now takes place in part in the Brecon Beacons, mm. and so it's sort of spent. Yeah, if if you live if you live there, yeah, and you spend time in the outdoors, and you not just on a weekend, because they tend to avoid weekends some of the time, uh, just because of the, the influx of people kind of hill walking and the like. But if you're the sort of person who kind of goes hill walking midweek. Um, it, it's not unusual to bump into small groups of, yeah, mostly young men uh, who are extremely fit and often yeah, running around at great pace, carrying very large rucksacks uh, and the like. And yeah, it, it's often very clear whether they belong to one of the kind of infantry regiments uh, or whether they belong to uh, they're taking part in selection or are part of one of the, uh, the, the more elite units that the, the UK possesses. But it, it's, and it's, it's not a secret. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not kind of sort of something that kind of like, oh, yeah, you, you, can, you can randomly you know, walk into, yeah, if, you, if you're the sort of person who doesn't follow the paths, yeah, it's, it's not unlikely that you can kind of almost literally walk over the top of somebody that's kind of here, yeah, just sort of trying to stay very quiet. Um, I know this from personal experience. 
<laughs> but yeah, if it's got someone like yeah, Bunra, yeah, you're not going to accidentally walk across in the middle of somewhere that, where the entire environment and flora and fauna is doing its best to to to, to defend think, itself from your existence. I, th I think there's two roads. I don't know. <laughs> one in and one out. Yeah, because they one in one out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's about it. So, as a, as a friend that was saying, uh, so it's just below for anyone that wants to look it up because no one's going to know this. It's just below Kubipedi. Um and and a friend was just saying that they mentioned it. Oh, wouldn't it suck if you have to if there's something on the other side <laughs> that you had to go to <laughs> if you lived in Kubipedi? Um, and I did a look at what is to the south of Kubipedi and there might be a cafe 500, <laughs> 400 kilometers away. <laughs> I think they're right. <laughs> It'll be right. The distances involved, it's just, it's just. You know what yeah. gets me is, is accents. Accents is something that absolutely um baffles me about about europe and, and england in particular for example you, know, you can have mm. so many accents in in within i mean at one point in time i was commuting an hour to uh to and from work and and you know that that sort of distance could be a completely different accent in a different country uh, in, the, like in the uk oh, yeah. half yeah. an hour mm. half an hour is enough driving time to sort of get a different accent mm absolutely yeah even, even, some stuff just yeah blows my mind yeah is there I, any um, variation in accents across australia i mean you've got yeah, somebody from perth and darwin going to melbourne would, would somebody kind of be able to recognize by their accent that they um i i think from from queensland you'll hear a a lot said in words so you're going to pick up on um not so much the accent but but the words that are used um well like the dialect rather than the accent yeah but within um within certain areas yeah you're going to have like rougher areas for example um compared to the retirement suburbs and yeah. you know these sorts of things there's, there's going to be those sorts of divides you you're definitely going to have the really broad country accents um, and so forth. Um, and yeah, look, I, I think you can sort of pick up um, between capital cities if you really paid attention and, and sort of understood it. Um, again, my partner, she went to Sydney to the university and they had a lot of American exchange students. And um, just from a couple of words, you could she could say Southeast, Northwest, you know, like those sorts of things we've, we've got i mean there's there's obviously the, the broader ones like the texan accent um you know, you've got like louisiana for example you can sort of pick those but um yeah not not as much i don't think not not mm. quite as much i think i mean there's a bigger difference between um our ipswich um in in sort of brisbane uh, so, yeah. uh um, just outside of Brisbane um and and people that live in the CBD like there's a, probably a bigger difference in that than there would be between capital cities hmm. it's interesting with saying uh you know kind of Europe switch versus our switch because obviously we being the invasive species of human that we are in and in, in 
Britain. Um, obviously, we've we've got a lot of places from the UK that are over in ours and um, in the US. And um, our Darwin is a is a a little kind of rural town up in the north of England that is kind of there you go. relatively innocuous. Everything is sandstone buildings. There's no dental records and everybody's pretty much identical kind of DNA, you know, throughout the whole thing. It's it's a very weird little quiet inbred town. <laughs> and no killer kangaroos or deadly spiders. Yeah. I mean, we've yeah, got an entire a... state called New South Wales. So. <laughs> <laughs> Have Queensland. You got, like, <laughs> reckon beacons in there as well. <laughs> Someone got real creative with South Australia and Western Australia. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they must have been tired by the time they got all the way across there, and oh, you know, I was... it was hot and confusing, and everyone was upside down, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, all the blood was in the head. And... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it takes a while to get used to. <laughs> <God. laughs> <laughs> We sort of briefly mentioned before that um, obviously Andy and I know you from uh, Billy Rubin, um, but tell us more. Tell us, tell us more of what makes a Jason. What makes a Jason? Oh my gosh! Um, so that's a good question. Uh, I'm just a typical, typical person, right? You know, just like I. I have like I do makey stuff every now and then at home. Like I love learning about stuff. Um, as a kid, I just absorbed documentaries. Um, didn't care about cartoons um, or anything of that nature. I was just on Discovery Channel, National Geographic, um, the History Channel, which is at the point in time sort of like the War History Channel. Let's be real. Um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, sort of really. Um, interested in in the sciences and technology and, and and those sorts of things and um always curious always learning um different different things uh which is sort of where you know, making sort of crosses over really really well uh, into that sort of stuff um particularly things like 3d printing um you know those sorts of things i i, I had a background in civil engineering um, you know, sort of a seven-year career in there before I left, um, which gave me just the bare bones foundations to be able to model something um, in 3D for for 3D printing. So what I really like is um, if I've got a need for something at home, um, I I can make that and solve the problem. It's, it's so incredibly cool for me to go. This didn't even exist as a concept or a need at the start of the day, and now it's a physical object fulfilling a purpose hours later that's just cool mm -hmm. and i'm you can already hear it i'm sure i'm super excited that we are at that point um where where we can do that and i love where the industry is going um and make it even more and more accessible um as mm -hmm. well for for people that don't necessarily have um so i'm blessed with the, the cad backgrounds you know i can i can do that and i've got that engineering mindset where i can pull something in and make it make it sort of happen um i'm loving how much more accessible it's it's getting so i'm pretty excited mm. for that sort of thing as well um but yeah it's just having a go at everything um so i i think the the biggest skill that we can have as makers is not um not our hard skills not um uh, knowing how to do things 
right? It's mm-hmm. knowing how to find out how to do it. Yeah, and then and, yeah. and then who we can approach as well to ask. Who we, yeah, who you connect with, who you can ask, who you can approach. Again, I mean, that's why we met. Um, yeah. Communities, right? And, yeah. and getting to know people, um, things like this, this podcast, even just you know, getting to know people who's out there. And, um, but yeah, just giving it a go. Um, YouTube is incredible um, for inspiration um and project ideas and so forth as well so spend a lot of time on there um for example i've never been into fishing but found myself making fishing lures out of nowhere (laughs) Um, as one does (laughs) just whittling away a piece of get a fishing lure it's cool i think i lost it on my first cast but that's beside the point um (laughs) Yeah, uh, so, I mean, and again, as a kid, I, I think a lot of the, the creativity was sparked by Warhammer um, mm. and uh, and war, miniature wargaming, um, particularly the, the building, you know, the crafting, those sorts of things, that, that the making aspects, um, always been really big into making the terrain for miniature wargaming as well. Um, and you know, back in that point in time, it was really like, what can you find around the house to turn into something kind of cool um the old school sort of diorama side of things mm-hmm. um but that sort of introduces you to tools and techniques which then expands into um uh, I mean, electronics as well eventually as well i mean that's something i picked up i have zero training in anything to do with electronics um, but the accessibility of it these days, um, yeah. like the Arduino starter kit, for example, um, we see people coming through the, the Void Star Lab server quite a lot. We knew, like, how do I get started? Um, and just the resources, like, again, the Arduino starter kit, work through that, and it gives you the sort of foundations to start um, being able to ask the questions, right? So it's, yeah. it's, it's not about... Um, it, it's like... Um, uh, I give the analogy of mathematics, right? You, you can't do calculus until you know your, your addition and subtraction, mm. right? Yeah. And it gives you the foundation of you... linguistics to ask yeah. what you understand. It? Exactly. Mm. The, 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 instead of coming in and saying, look, uh, how do I literally do everything? Can you give me a step-by-step guide? It's more of a, I can figure out most of these things from all of the resources that I pulled. I need help on this specific part. Um, and that's that's what the Arduino starter kit I think does. Um, it it lets you know what you don't know, so you can find out about it. Um, yeah, and that's that's really cool. The accessibility of that sort of stuff. Oh, some of those are quite interesting. Though Jamie and I, both, a few years ago, both bought the same kit, uh, mostly to use with our our, our, our children. <laughs> and it was really quite interesting. You know, lesson one year, like yeah, this is a arduino or arduino clone and yeah blink yeah you get the kind of you know, the inbuilt yep. led and yeah. lesson two nice. yeah add an led an external <laughs> led and a resistor mm-hmm. lesson three add a, a potentiometer and, you know, get some or, or of a push button control. turn it on and off or push button. yeah uh, and then yeah lesson four would be just uh, just another little step and then lesson five would be yeah basically you know design this land the space shuttle yeah Yeah. right now you know how to 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 do these basic things yeah the the code would 
but yeah, the, the free code that they supplied just wouldn't work. Yeah, it's just like it's interesting because frustrating. Yeah, one of the projects I've been doing um, over the last week or so is using a uh, little DHT twenty twenty uh, DHT twenty two uh, temperature humidity sensor, mm -hmm. um, but with Raspberry Pis, and um, it's all sort of sparked by the, the, the kind of the, the the rise in temperature and me trying to work out if I can, you know, there's probably a background hum that everyone can hear at them, you know, whenever mm -hmm. I'm talking, that's kind of either fan noise trying to cool me down or fan noise from the servers trying to cool the server down. So I've been kind of on this project to, to figure out where in my house I can put the server that isn't going to either overheat or just annoy the crap out of me somewhere else. And, um, I had a, a few old Raspberry Pis laying around, so I thought I'll grab a, a couple of these sensors and plug them in. I'd seen a, a, a guide pop up, you know, web guide that would run through all of the settings and you know what to plug in where and what code to put in and it's Python script and kind of started on the project, plugged everything in, started typing the code in, and then immediately ran into problems because one of the libraries that it was using didn't work, so that the code was maybe six months old but in that six months the, the the library that it was using has been superseded and moved and changed and fixed and someone else has changed something and it took about an hour and a half to figure out how to get this thing to work and none of that was on the original guide it was then digging through all sorts of other stuff to try and find that one bit of information that says oh no you need to just take this little bit of text out because we've we've fixed it from in between when it was first done when that article was written and now we've we've moved this library to here and changed this and mm. changed this and updated this thing here now it's super smooth but knowing that one bit of information that yes. you know, someone could have updated on their guide that was six months old and yeah. <laughs> the frustration with those kind of things yeah, that is absolutely the frustration I, I think I found of getting into the electronics is, and I see it a lot from other people as well, just bashing their head against mm. the wall, going, why is this not working? I've, everything should be correct. And it's just being able to to follow the the solution path. Like, I know this is what, I know this component, I know this part's working, I know this part of the code works. And just yeah. following it down to go, all right, it must be one of these five things, and then sort of tackling as well absolutely i think that's where um you know approachable communicators like yourself in these communities like void star labs or in billy's discord or in ali's discord those places that are welcoming communities for people on any kind of stage of their their making journey or even if they don't class themselves as makers they're just trying to problem solve something mm -hmm. you know these people who are curious and uh, finding this bit of information out but then retaining it and being able mm -hmm. to communicate it when someone asks a question you know, i think mm -hmm. they're so vital to that kind of um that journey for you know when you when we do run into these problems because we all do but to be able to go to somewhere and go excuse me i need help from a real human being who's probably figured this out before can anyone help me you know yeah, absolutely. It's it's just been absolutely incredible. I, I think coming into this community um, and and it being so completely welcoming to to that sort of stuff as well. Mm. I mean, there are a lot of communities that absolutely aren't. You ask a question, you get shut down immediately. Um, yeah. uh, and this is the the absolute opposite of 
of that. It's the least gatekeepy community that I've ever found. Um, people are just happy to, to share information and mm. there's no silly questions. I mean, it, sure. I mean, as a, as a new maker that hasn't had this sort of conversation and, and doesn't know the questions to ask, we, we, you know, sometimes you'll see someone ask, um, I need inspiration for a project or project ideas, or someone was, uh, was like, um, I've seen some VFDs, um, you know, vacuum form displays, um, where can I find it? And can you give me a list of all of the components, preferably on Amazon for me to do this project? <laughs> um, <laughs> and everyone sort of got, um, there are some other suggestions, no, like no one was outright rude about that response either mm. in other, in other communities. Um, so in other, uh, you know, non-maker communities, you'll see that that person getting shouted out and you know, chewed out. Um, oh, for totally. a question like that, um, and, and they're they're just a new person, you know, and they, you know, they just ask for a complete bill of materials for for a project, um, and everyone's <laughs> just gone. Look, I, you know, these are some ways in which you, these are the pathways where you can get to that, yeah. right? It, it, you know, it's not we're we're not going to shut you down. We're not going to say, um, you know, you can't do that, or that you know you're an idiot for, for asking those sorts of things. It's like, no, this is your pathway. And you know what? You might not have just known about the pathway, right? You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, you don't know the yeah. questions to ask until you know what questions to ask. Um, so that's... Or that asking that kind of question is is asking someone to, to donate a couple of hours of work for you. Yeah, but I, I think where a lot of people came from as well is you're not going to learn anything from that if we just give Absolutely, you the building yeah. materials. Yeah. And I'm I'm almost certain as well that you know if that question was slightly reworded and um, and so forth, and it was from someone who has been in the community longer that is you know contributed to the community and so forth, there would be people that would go, yeah, absolutely, I'll do a bill of materials for you. Yeah, um, which I think is is crazy. Like I I I think some people would actually do that for. In the right circumstance, but I, I it really oh, 100%, did. hundred percent. I, I, I totally agree with you that I think there are some people who they've given enough to their particular part of the the maker community that other people will then kind of you know, yeah, absolutely you know, give them if they when they say oh, I'm really stuck on this and I yeah. need more than just a yeah, I'm it's, sure it's, a, it's a very much a give and take kind, kind of thing, of, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and likewise, someone's going to get excited about that, which I think is cool. You know, someone's going to yeah. go, "All right, the challenge of making this BOM for for someone is is going to be fun. Like, it sounds like a fun mm -hmm. project. Let's let's do it. Let's collab. You know, those sorts of things." Yeah, um, yeah, I yeah, I think it's pretty cool, pretty 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 darn cool. And I've been on a few different um, maker communities, and it's just consistent across the board. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think there's there's I, an element uh, of um, these folks who've dipped a toe in another community and seen how gatekeepy or toxic or how negative that environment can be when they've asked for help, that they've kind of gravitated towards places that are more open or more friendly and, and they've just kind of naturally and organically expanded with mm. good people by welcoming in good people who equally welcome in good people. I think that's the caveat there as well. I mean, there are certainly like in it, all communities, there's gatekeeper communities. Absolutely. But yeah. You're going to last like 30 seconds there before you move on to find. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard of it in cos. I've heard of some cosplayers sort of, you know, they go into oh, yeah. sort of some cosplay, which I, I still, I, I think cosplay 
it certainly is kind of part of the maker. Sort of well, you, you get makers music. who cosplay, and you get cosplayers who make. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the it's two different approaches to because I've certainly heard cosplayers who've kind of asked within kind of a group or something, yeah, how to do something, and then just get shut down with the. And I've mm. seen it with you. You see it with pockets in things like the the guy who. Um, tried to stop everyone else from using the the, the, the epoxy waterbound transference type table. Yeah, yeah. He Stream claimed he had shelf with legs. Complete. Um, <laughs> only he had the kind of the right to use the sort of that title for that type of furniture, and yeah, there are a few others in the sort of similar sort of bounds who were like, no, I'm going to tell you how to do a, a, a an inch deep poxy pour because then you'll take my clients like well yeah probably not if you if you're good enough you, well, i won't and if you're that worried that i might then i'm probably gonna learn it anyway and then i'm still gonna take your clients yeah and the, the woodworking community as well of the i was watching a video earlier um and it was um I was talking about the tools that uh, he thought would be useful for anyone to go at. And he was he was talking about how um, he'd seen in a, a, a Facebook woodworking group somebody asking about pocky hole jigs. And one mm. of the tools, the only his he had eight tools to sort of share, and one of them was you know suggested get a good quality pocket hole jig if you're going to do pocket hole jigs unless you're you're only doing a very rare occasion one if you're um if you're actually going to be making a pile of cabinets don't just get the the, the 10 quid clamp it in place it's just a block of steel with a or alloy with a an angled hole in it and that's it get yourself a, a craig get yeah something craig that's fitting and it comes can, with support, comes with decent instructions and a decent Yeah, and it's, of... it's got that ability to clamp a piece of wood properly yeah. and if the clamp's built into it rather than you having to add a clamp to it. There's alignment mm. features on it. It's all those little things that make it kind of... Um, it's got the, the, the kind easier of the... Uh, to, easier to use. Yeah, the ease of access. It's, it's that kind of transition to accessibility, isn't it? Yeah, I and mean, he, he was saying about how he, he'd seen numerous examples of people in kind of new new woodworkers asking about pocket holes joinery in facebook woodworking groups and how yeah just you get the occasional people sort of saying oh yeah yeah by the craig or whatever but the, the number of people who would be kind of going well yeah if, if you learn proper joinery you wouldn't need pocket holes and <laughs> Yeah, pocket hole joinery that's not proper woodworking and, and, and all yeah. that kind of sort of garbage. Like, you want to throw together a quick cabinet, a pocket hole is. Or you get the other end of the spectrum where it. they go, all right, I'm, well, I'm looking, for, I'm looking at two options here. I'm looking at the possibility of a, a 10 quid super cheap pocket hole jig or a 80 quid fancy pocket hole jig. And then someone bounces in with, now, what you need is don't do either of those. What you need is to spend six hundred pound on a festival domino because that's the only way you can physically do two bits of wood together is by buying that bit of kit. You know, it's yeah. Or the or the, it, or the Craig um, pocket hole. Have you seen the 
the correct poke hole machine that does the entire lot. Oh, that does the you just got the pull down you, handle. You, you pull the handle, it automatically clamps it and drills it in the same sort of action. Yeah, Izzy Swan that, made one of those before that was invented. It doesn't surprise me. Um, <laughs> but it, it, that kind of you do get that kind of level of gatekeeping, but mm. I think. I think it generally exists in, for want of a better phrase, specialized parts, or, mm. or not not specially specialized, mm. um, singular making. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, I've, I've heard of it with things like wood turners. You know, not sharing how they might finish something. Mm. Um, or yeah, the woodworkers. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do pog holes because that's that's yeah, that's not proper woodworking. Uh, or the cosplayers. No, I'm not going to show you how to put electronics into this yeah. costume that or sort of yeah, sort of a helmet or a, uh, a dress or whatever that's got kind of electronics built into it. I'm not going to show you that because that would then maybe make you better than me. But I don't tend to see it in the kind of the mixed. Well, we do see a, a similar kind of thing happen in the 3D printing community where you might have someone go in, I'm finally ready to dip my toe into it. I have X number of common currency in my local country's worth of funds available. This is my budget. What should I get? What should I buy? And you have the full spectrum of, well, what you want to do is go for this super budget thing that you have to build yourself that's half your budget. And you're going to upgrade every single part of it. You're going to upgrade every single part of it. You're not going to know what you're doing because you're a complete noob to it and you don't have any people tangential to your, you know, someone that you could go and ask to come and help you assemble it, who knows and is experienced. What you've got is a, only your resources on Facebook or something like that. Or you get the other end of it. I can't, imagine, I can't imagine doing 3D printing and not having a Jamie or a Duncan to, to ask. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Is you, you might have someone that goes, right, I've never done anything like this before. There's no one around me who's done it before. I want to get into 3D printing. Here's my budget. And you'll get someone saying, spend half your budget on this thing that you're going to have to do. Some, you know, it's got a really high learning curve and it's going to be problematic and you're going to have to upgrade it the second you've put it together. It's going to be a frustration. Or you get the other end of the spectrum where someone will go, right, well, what you need to do is spend four times your budget on this prosumer level, pre-boxed, take it out, works. This is what I've, I've bought five of these for my business, therefore you must have this one. Don't buy anything until you've got four times the budget you've currently got. And then you've got very few people going, what do you actually want to do? You know, asking mm -hmm. the person That's a it. question to be able to answer it rather than just throwing in a here's my size nine yeah. with two cents attached you know yeah because if you want to make if you want to make miniatures for warhammer or d20s for warhammer you're probably better off with a a resin printer than a yeah. fdm printer and then you know there's the additional questions of what is your space like as well yeah. for a resin printer. Yeah. you know there's some requirements there um please people please don't put a resin printer in your bedroom I've seen too yeah. many of those. Please don't. Um, Ventilation, PPE, proper yeah. disposal over the chemicals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's it's something that you know I'm 
I'm really trying to ask people to do, particularly on the employed star or or any makerspace. And it's 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 a challenge you know, to throw out to anyone in the maker community or any community really, is just to ask that additional question. Um, mm. actually find out what is this person trying to achieve before yeah. giving your automated answers. Because, you know, here's the thing, like a lot of those answers come from a good place and it usually comes from personal experience as well. And mm -hmm. they're they're entirely valid answers and you know hats off to you for trying to help someone but taking that extra time and saying does my experience and in this particular answer apply to what this person is trying to achieve um, because again if they're asking that question particularly as someone super super new they might not know the questions to ask yeah it, it's yeah. it's that not having the vocab and not knowing what you don't know it's that complete you know kind of um lack of experience to, to know where the pitfalls are or what the questions are to ask. Mm. Like you say, that being that guide for someone, it's, it's super rewarding at the same time. And I think it's as well, it's okay if you don't have the answer. It's, yeah. And, and we, we, we often get excited to share our own experiences. Like, you know, my experience, my personal experience was uh, an Ender 3 Max. Um, I wanted something larger format. Um, and it's worked perfectly for me. And that's great. Good on me for getting something that's worked for me. But if someone wants a print farm, they're probably not going to want that. If they're, you know, especially if they just want to do small things, like an end of Max is the last thing you're going to want for something like that. Um, so, um, and there's some pros and cons compared to like a, a standard size, like end of three, for example, or, um, uh, you know, or, you know, a bamboo labs or a pressure or, or something of that mm. nature. And, and, you know, it, it's fine to be excited to share about what's worked for you, but you don't have to be the person that answers it. If what works for you doesn't apply mm. at the end, at, at the end of the day, yeah. the, the common goal here is to help someone in their journey. And mm. it's okay if you don't have the answer for that as well. I think that, that's a case of knowing one's own limitations, isn't it? I mm. think there's, so there's the people who are all too happy to throw a comment in on something, but sometimes that comment isn't actually adding anything to it. You know, sometimes see that, you know, kind of um, where someone asks a valid question that, that has a yes, no answer, and then someone comes in with a massive amount of waffle that doesn't have a yes or a no in it. You know, <laughs> I think it's... yeah. It and it's you know for something like uh what's the best 3d printer to start with that sort of discussion as well if you do want to chime in with your personal experiences and what's worked for you completely fine because it's not mm. a lot of the spaces are a discussion forums right they're not just like a core asking for a definitive answer and it is okay for you to share that experience but i'm just asking people to share that in your context and share your context as well um yeah you know, if, if someone hasn't really defined and if you haven't asked the question of why and what is the, the the person asking the questions context at least share your own context and you know like i did just now i wanted something larger format that you know yeah on a certain budget um you know bigger than an ender 3 or prusa hence i had went for the larger one the ender 3 max because it fit my budget and just quietly it has worked perfectly ever since i don't want the perfect first layer i don't want the perfect print i want something that when i hit start it's going to work every single time 
because I reckon <laughs> this is just my opinion. Eighty uh, percent, but finished is better than a hundred percent, but eighty percent finished. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, a reset for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, in my context, I had two weeks to spend on the printer. I had it set up right next to me here on my bench um, mm. to dial in every single setting on it and spend so much time with it to learn it inside and out. But that's a decision a that I made. And a background in engineering and access to the people who you could ask if you needed information or, exactly you know, right. it's, uh, it's quite a common thing when you, um, you sit on things like tool posts or things like that in some of the, you know, those kind of industry specific, um, you know, kind of things of, of, of someone saying, you know, I'm, I'm buying my first set of tools, what drill should I buy or, you know, that kind of giving personal context for your own biases and things i think is something that a lot of people forget you know when you you have someone with a a very small budget who recommends something that is very low budget but they also have minimal use but they also have experience and training to use that kind of thing versus someone who has uh, a massive amount of budget and has only ever used something that's been pre-set up by someone else and is you know, kind of uh, professional grade quality, higher level of use and all this kind of stuff, whether that's mm -hmm. tools or 3D printers or whatever, whatever. Understanding that context of where you fit uh, personally and how that relates to the person you're communicating with, I think is one of those, it's another soft skill that I think uh, a lot of people sometimes miss out on. Yeah, absolutely. Some good points. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the it's the beauty of kind of like you say, it's the beauty of the maker community, isn't it? And you know, we do, it's like with three D printing, it's it's great that there are some people like Billy, for example, who's made those wonderful infographics that yeah. you know, like, that we all see everywhere in the three D yes, printing community. Happy to share that, or to make the effort to produce something, and the people who make instructables and. Mm. Yeah, just it's the, it's the resources we can all point to, isn't it? To say, yeah, here's someone else who's answered your question. Or... Yeah, the people who put stuff on GitHub and and the like, and it's just it's it, it's great that people will share. Mostly, <laughs> not that it's mostly great. Mostly, that mostly mostly people will share. <laughs> I think for a lot of models I've downloaded, there's there's a little bit of room for improvement. <laughs> But that's a, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's I mean, great it's, inspiration, if nothing else. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Some people will be making models who maybe don't have their the background in engineering or CAD, mm. or just some of the the finer skills in understanding design for three D printing in this particular case. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Another infographic that Billy's done is um, it, it, CAD tips for 3D printing. Just, you know. But you find it, find it as well. well. People kind of, yeah, they, they, they might design a piece of furniture and they don't necessarily kind of think about things like, you know, for certain uh, climate environments, you know, you want to make sure that your, your the top of your table is not absolutely firmly fixed to the legs of the table you want there to be some movement otherwise you, you have great risk of 
you know, maybe top buckling or, or splitting. Um, or a lovely or, cracking you know, sound strength, in the morning. <laughs> not strengthening bits in quite the right way. You know, not having kind of maybe thinking about if you put a table leg on, how's that table leg secured to the aprons? You know, how, how have you got that in place? And is it necessarily the best way of doing it or not? Mm. Um, yeah, some of which comes with skills, but yeah, I think. Which, of course, I think for the beginner can be very confusing because, you know, the beginner is not necessarily going to understand that that particular bit of design isn't great or be able to troubleshoot why this thing I downloaded from Thingiverse or printables or cults or whatever just doesn't seem to print very well, even though I'm using the print settings that came with the file. But it might be that actually there's a something about the design isn't just isn't right from a, a CAD point of view. I think this is where it, it's it's always difficult to to fully train someone on anything like this because it, it, it's a lot of con context-driven tangential knowledge that's required for things like that. You know, it's very useful to have things like tips and tricks of, you know, adding uh, filleted radiuses to the outside of vertically printed surfaces, um, but chamfered straight edges to horizontally printed surfaces. You know, it's, it's those kind of things that are fantastic little tips, but then you, you've got to rely on people getting the print orientation correct, you know, and uh, there's loads of little things like that that you need to explain the why as much as the rule itself and i think that's that's where a lot of these things are uh, experience driven knowledge rather than specific lesson driven you know you can say look make sure that the belts are tight or make sure that the filaments dry or make sure that your temperatures are correct or you know that the machine is physically tight and not got rattling fasteners around or you know you, you can you can do all of those things that are very it's like explicit knowledge that we've almost all learned earlier on in life but not necessarily learned that you know temperature affects the overhangs so or you know or that that layer height affects the amount of overhang you can do or you know some it's that sort of narrowing down and, and niching and niching of, of knowledge, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think anyone that's getting into the, the 3D printing space, either as a, you know, particularly as a, a, a printer, um, one of the discussions to be had and one things to be aware of is it's a journey to, to learn those sorts of things as well. Um, but to also accept that journey because your consequence of failure is very low. To be yeah let, let's be real like it's a couple of bucks of plastic right um and yeah sure the print went for six hours but how many of those hours did you actually bake it for it probably took like 10 minutes of your actual time yeah realistically which is the the great thing about 3d printing <laughs> Set and forget. watch the first layer <laughs> yeah that's it watch the first layer 
check back every now and then to see if you've got yeah. spaghetti for dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you hear a clunk, go and investigate straight away. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. It. But the consequence for failure is so low, so just give it a go, right? Yeah. Um, it's not like... Uh, Asterix, suppose... assuming you're not running an A8. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that it isn't a prodigy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and designers as well i think you know um the double-edged sword of uh of 3d printing is that it's so accessible yeah um, and anyone can put up anything um and anyone mm -hmm. can design anything anyone can print anything um which is great but as a designer again give it a go but be open to feedback basically yeah, definitely. um when when people put out professional designs they tested on dozens of different machines um which is just not generally feasible for an at-home designer um, and like there's no reason to for small things as well um and really? like i designed a little keychain for my shit printed in bright orange so if i drop my key in the grass i can find it right um and I'm not going to test that on five different machines to make sure it prints perfectly every time. Because if it doesn't print perfectly for someone, I find another keychain. Yeah, like it's it's not it's not worth it's not worth it. But also being open to it, and places like maker communities, if you want some feedback on models, pop them up because people love mm. printing stuff. Is what I the number one question that I think people ask when they get a new printer is, "What should I print?" Yeah, hundred percent. Right. 3D printing's cool. I just want to do it, but I have now that I've got it here in assembled, I have absolutely no idea what to print. I, I think so. that there's an, almost a, a feeling of obligation of if you've got a 3D printer and it isn't currently printing something. I, I, I know I've got three set here that aren't currently printing anything. One has been working away for me today, but the other two, I, I feel guilty the fact that they're not doing things. And I, I've printed so many things. And it's that kind of, do I need anything else right now? <laughs> Does anyone else need anything else right well, now? That's, that's <laughs> when you start printing a ball rod, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Print more printers. <laughs> exactly. But it is that kind of like, there's that sort of, that feeling of, I, I should be putting it to use. I should be, I should be doing something with it. Well, it's, a, it's a time multiplier. Yeah, that, that sort of yeah. machine is an absolute time multiplier. Like you, you can put five, ten minutes into setting it up and then run it for a twelve hour print and then you've got something that you didn't have before. Um whereas if you did it yourself, then you know, with manual tools, that's three hours of your life you're never getting back. Yeah. Uh, if not so, more. Yeah, depending on what you're yeah. printing. Mm. Yes, but um yeah, yeah, so I, I totally get it. I do. Like but um I think I, I think I think I think certainly I, if I think of how far three printing has come in the last ten years, mm. um, it's just leaps and bounds, and I, I suspect yeah. that we're going to see more and more people three D printing, not from a making point of view, but more of a just a utilitarian. It will become just another tool in the house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what we had as well. We had the the little race to the bottom there for a while how cheap mm. can we get 3d printers um lots of ender clones came out in that sort of time those sorts of things um but then we have um you know printers like the bamboo labs that have come out and said how easy 
can we make it taking that experience that they had from dji and applying that thinking to to a consumer product set it up minimum fuss hit play done and maximum quality for minimum fuss and it's Mm. it is a different target market as well to Mm. to hobbyist printers and i think the hobbyist printers as well and in our community um had a bit of trouble in places dealing with that change and that shift as well the the Mm. bamboo labs um is not necessarily for you and it is a different target market um as well um a lot of people are saying look it, it's it's pro- there's a lot of proprietary in it and there is and we've yeah. been absolutely blessed in the 3d printing community with so much open source um but uh, you know and then we've got this company coming in with their dji experience who um takes the old uh product mantra of let's create a new model every single year um mm. to to get you on that treadmill um proprietary hot end like no no use of serviceable parts in the hot end without third-party add-ons um you know like you can't change the nozzle on a bamboo out of the box you've got to get some other parts to be able to uh, third-party parts to be able to use other nozzles in it mm. um, it's a whole hot end assembly to replace to be fair to to them as well uh, that whole hot end assembly is relatively cheap yeah um so you know kudos to them for that um but uh it's a different target market it's a completely yeah, different target yeah. market to, to someone who is going to to spend time on um you know uh, open source projects and is okay with um 3d printing being both a hobby and a means to an end um mm. you know the bamboo labs i see is just a means to an end it's yeah um, it's a, it's just another tool isn't it that's I think it's uh, it, it's a similar kind of argument, you know, um, PC and Mac or Android and iPhone or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, Parkside tools like our kind of uh, cheap end of of power tools versus something like Festool. You know, it's, it's there's a, a kind of people who just want to pick up the thing and do the thing with it and it's close enough is good enough mm-hmm. versus people who are... They want to pick up a tool it works every time for the thing that they want to do and they want to put it back in the box it's done and then move on with something else and you know there's so much passion in the community about you know this 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 company coming out and being very non-proprietary yeah very very proprietary in a a number of areas um Mm -hmm. you know in our community there's been very very open source and you know hats off to the community for being so passionate about that um but and you know like there's risks about that and it it kind of sucks in certain ways of proprietary tech i get it um but uh linux still exists yeah you know mac you know like we've got mac os and we've got windows who are extremely proprietary but you know linux still exists so you know open source community you're not going anywhere and you're not in any risk of these companies coming in um if anything they're going to drive this Look, not going to get into politics, but money talks. Um, And if there's money to be made in 3D printing, it's going to drive innovation for better or worse. Sure. Um, But um, uh, and if if you don't want to engage with that, and if it goes in a direction that you're not happy with, you still have your open source communities. It's not going anywhere. Absolutely. Open source. Linux is a is a really great example. You know, when you look at um, you know kind of industry standard for you know everyday business is generally a Microsoft platform. 
but you look at the you know the, the kind of rate of progression that something like Linux has has had over the last 20 years that I've been experienced you know exposed to it or the last 10 years where I've been kind of professionally using it you know kind of every day as a as a sort of core part versus like the kind of 10 years before where I, I was finding my feet with it the yes I'm not going to roll Linux out to my users but I'm absolutely going to use it in the back end because I know I can rely on it I know that there's a community there that I can access if I need to and it's catching up rapidly hmm. and it's the same sort of thing with you know yes there were you know kind of uh, rep rep printers 20 years ago and they've all come a long way I mean I've been using 3d printing since 2016 um, you know and I was kind of dragged into it from a friend who was using it a couple of years before and like you say that the, you know with things like Bamboo Labs now being more proprietary and a couple of the other companies who are kind of on the heels of it in terms of that that sort of prosumer level that's just works out the box you know it's kind of aimed at either the professional user or you know the, the kind of the person who just wants to throw a bit of money at it and then take it out of the box and it just work every time they want to use it and can yeah. happily leave it on a shelf without it needing to be earning its keep back or taking time every time they want to use it the fact of that being there as a proprietary thing yes it might have caused a bit of friction with the open source community but it's only then a matter of time until mm. the open source clones of the bamboo labs printers are near enough on parity with it I, I, th I suppose that's my point as well uh, you know things like the Prusa, for example um uh compared to the bamboo labs there's a bit of a, a divide there like, there's a gap mm. between usability there um and you know if that at the price point of a Prusa mark four if they want to continue to survive against something like a bamboo labs they got to catch up yeah. honestly and you know what Prusa's done a lot of open source stuff so yeah. yeah bamboo labs has come in and shaken things up but it's making some other more open source companies go, hey, we need to pay attention to this yeah, and lift yeah. our standard. And then we as an open source community benefit from that. Absolutely. I, I think that's, a, again, another really good uh, kind of example there of of those two being of a, a similar-ish price point. I think the, the um, Bamboo Labs X1 Carbon is more pricey than a, a Prusa Mark IV. But the P1P is P1P. cheaper than a Mark IV. So you've got that kind of like, you can get high speed, high quality printing for less than a Prusa. Mm. Or you can get the additional features for more than a Prusa. And you've got that kind of, that that weird bit in the middle where Prusa is still a bed slinger, mm -hmm. but kind of commanding a higher price point. But uh, I mean, there's a, there's a huge argument to say that you know, if you've got the money for a Prusa, then buy that over a P1P because it's, you know, there's uh, pros and cons between the two that, you know, a Prusa might be more suitable for you. But that's going back to ask the question of, of what people want to do. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Yep. Yeah. If you want open source, if you want it to be, you know, kind of... Um, you want adaptability, then you probably... Yeah, Prusa. and a huge community that's, that's the P1P. You know, kind of... Yeah, absolutely.
And that's what I mean. You know, the pressure. There's going to be some people that are passionate about this, I'm sure, and and they're going to say, "Look, pressure over over a P1P every single day of the week. I don't care if it's slower. I don't care if it's bed slinger. I don't care about so many things." And you know what? That is a hundred percent valid. Um, Absolutely. You know, yeah. Even for myself, just looking down the barrel of what's my next printer going to be, a Mark IV or a P1P, I'm I'm leaning towards the Mark IV, mm. um, and you know, I know I'm not going to have the same speed um and and a few other things that that the the p1p does really well um but they're not a priority and you know what if that's if that's someone listening then absolutely more power to you right yeah and and and, and that's it i mean i i have some friends who run a, a 3d printing company yeah they do design work it's not just about printing it's mm. not just print farm yeah they do design work but yeah they're offering solutions to industry commerce film industry and the like you know they're, they're kind of filling the gap they're not just sort of printing a, a, a something for you know just joe blogs down the street who wants a, a, a new handle for a suitcase or, or whatever yeah they're, they're looking at you know mass production and stuff now for Problem them solving industry. yeah i mean they have yeah a, a bunch of machines yeah predominantly until the 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 x1 carbon came out they were predominantly using bed slingers and they had some resin stuff and you know they worked really well they had some large format uh printers when the the, the x1 carbon came out for them essentially as commercial 3d yep. printing company the speed advantage that and the quality of print out yeah. of the box that the x1 carbon gave them especially with the multimedia the ams unit yeah that, that was just a game changer for them as a company mm. now they haven't got rid of their large format bed slingers because yeah there's a limited size on the use case yeah yeah, 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 yeah for them they have that now they've got more flexibility they've got slightly smaller format but faster machine which for some of their customers that's exactly what they need for some of their customers they need to be able to print large pieces in one piece and that's the yeah the fdm bedslinger that they've got which are all kind of you know massively customized and upgraded against the kind of the original machine as they sort of came and it's yeah but it's their suitcase and it, it suits their particular use case and and mm. i mean obviously they have the skills and experience and knowledge and they've got kind of here you know, the experience of their kind of clients that they've had so far of knowing what to do mm -hmm. which is a very different scenario from say something like myself who's a very much here yeah, an occasional hobbyist 3d printer which is going to be different from you know guys like yourselves who are kind of you know printing more often and doing more advanced stuff and more design work as opposed to somebody who's maybe doing something that's very specific but they need it for their, their hobby yeah they're they're uh, take something like sophie wong who, who's making you know cost doing amazing work with costume and space mm. and things the 3d printer is very much a tool yeah. for her to be able to then produce that thing rather than just having maybe designing stuff for for possible you know purpose and, you know and certainly i know jamie makes and stacks of things that have very much of a practical use um they tend to be sort of solutions to problems yeah rather than actually my main function is creating a a, a, 
a, essentially a fully fledged spacesuit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm printing on materials and I'm printing helmets and I'm, I'm ordering visors from people so that I've got a device. I'm thinking about how to mount the electronics for that. And I mean, a perfect example is our good friend or mutual friend Mike, um, you know, who has a, um, you know, he tends to make uh, props on his 3D printer and he has a, a very large, fast resin printer which most people use resin printers for printing very small things, whereas he prints very big things, you know, that, that you would often tend to put on a bed slinger, but he prints them nice quality because he's got very fine details in them, but mm. massive chunks of parts, you know. It's, it's again, it's asking that, um, it's asking those specific questions that I think is a, is a, is a skill in that sense of, uh, finding out that specific niche but i mean i think you, you also need then the right background understanding and i think that's where it might be more difficult as a, a kind of a global rollout but where the maker community is is filling that specific niche because we're all so interested in so many different things and picking up so many bits of uh you know kind of additional knowledge rather than being specifically focused on one subset of information you know, we'll we'll remember that video we saw six mm. months ago from that person that we've spoken to once on Instagram that answered a question that we asked that, you know, we've got those kind of bits of transferable information between recesses of our memories. <laughs> See, years ago, um, there was a prediction made by someone that said that, well, the, and some studies as well, that showed that our memory retention is reducing mm. um, quite quite heavily um and they they said look, it, it was it was the advent of searches you know we've we've got the world's knowledge at our fingertips so therefore we don't need to re retain high detail knowledge we just need to know how to find it yeah, yeah. have you guys seen some that sort of stuff or experience that sort of stuff yourselves i mean that, that even you know einstein said of, uh, a very similar sort of thing of you know kind of why hold on to the the information when you can write it down and put it somewhere hmm. you know and I, I think that's always kind of perhaps been a thing but i think maybe the the kind of the prevalence of people who are just wired that way hmm. you know the, the kind of the, the the difference in people being more allowed to be who they really are you know it's hmm. like not not specifically having to memorize your multiplication tables by rote because it's not necessary anymore yeah I, I think it's not specifically that our memory memory retention is lessened i think it's more that the application has changed you know we, we can it's, remember there's more information to find things yeah there's massively more information i mean if i'm oh, i can't remember the, the figures now but i can remember reading an article quite a few years ago that basically talked about the average person now yeah it may be it may have been talking about uh something like a sunday paper you know you get a sunday paper and it's kind of you know a, a number of sections yeah it's got a you know, culture section and a news section and recipes and puzzles and all those sort of different sections and there was that kind of you know, 
I think it's dying back to a certain extent as people go more digital with sort of things like newspaper subscriptions. Mm. I mean, the average cost of a newspaper now has got significantly higher, uh, mm. and not just because of inflation, just because of actually most people go the digital route. So it's mm. becoming more niche that there's less demand and that's pushing the price up. But the average, it was something like the average Sunday paper in, for one Sunday had more information in it than the average person in 100, 120 years ago, 150 years ago, would have received in their entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, we are just, I mean, we're just, yeah, we're in the information age and we have mm -hmm. been for quite a bit of time. And we are getting, we haven't, we haven't adopted, adapted um, things like, yeah, the education system to match up with this. I mean, yes, there are certain jobs where yeah, you've got to have good recall. You've got to have the ability to sort of yeah. I don't want a doctor that's having to look up every single thing. Yeah. But I don't mind if a mechanic has to look up, yeah, how to. I wouldn't expect them to have to do it every single time, yeah, because obviously there's a limited number of cars and there's a limited number of differences between cars. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'd, I'd rather a mechanic actually had to look up, okay, this model of car from this particular year requires this particular grade of oil in the engine. The specialist knowledge that you come across yeah. like three times a year, that, maybe. It's not, yeah. yeah. For that, it's not It's not time critical. It's not life. It's, obviously, it's important for, for the, the health of my car, but it's not something that is time critical or life-threatening mm. to a human being. Now, mm -hmm. I want a doctor to have a, a level of understanding of anatomy. I don't want them kind of, oh, they, they, I'm pretty sure there's something there underneath the rib cage. Um, let me just look it up. Oh, yeah, 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 liver. What, what was that What was that word you said, foot? I never heard yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you want them to have a good understanding of, of things like yeah, anatomy and physiology. Yeah. And they have to know that. You can't. You can't get around that. Yeah, you can't be looking sort of those things up. Yeah, you can't, if, if you're a surgeon, yeah, you can't, I guess you develop skills and, and things, especially if you're specialised. I mean, yeah, specialisms and have, You have to have a, a core level of knowledge. Mm -hmm. But for many, many jobs now, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, so, I, the I skill is in you, finding the information, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's finding information. It's like I've, 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 I've conversations with my tutor. It, the, the classic one is, is, is mathematics. Yeah, you get the students sort of saying, "Why do I need to know trigonometry?" Never going to use trigonometry. I'm never going to use trigonometry. Or, or, or you know, basic calculus. I'm never going to use basic calculus. I'm never going to differentiate a, a mm. curve to find the maxima or minima. Yeah. Now, some people will. Yeah. There, there, there's always that kind of sure. sort of yeah. argument mm. of, well, you might not, but you know, there are people in this class who will go on to use that and will need that. Yeah. They're going to be the people who are going to be the engineers and the mathematicians. And but there's that kind of argument. Well, why do I have to learn maths? Where am I ever going to use this? Yeah, you know, what am I going to need to know Pythagoras? Well, yeah, yes, there are certain parts of mathematics and and physics, for example. Those are the two things that I know probably best that actually are useful in everyday life, even as as an adult. They can be quite useful to sort of know. Yeah, you know, if you if you're trying to work out how many tiles you need to to tile your bathroom, then having a bit of an understanding of you know simple geometry, length and breadth, area, you know that's actually quite useful it's the usual sort of story isn't it of like uh, i'm never going to use algebra 
as they're yeah, but, you know holding and, a receipt from the shop that they've just been in where they bought six items at one ninety nine yeah. a piece. Yeah. Well, that is algebra. You're just looking at the the letter X and going, no, oh, I don't want to learn anymore. Yeah. You know? Instead of X, think eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, but what we don't <laughs> what we don't often push is the fact that something like maths for most people isn't actually about necessarily the mathematics or certainly the sort of the, some of the more intricate uh mathematics but actually it's about problem solving mm. about yep. developing a set of skills to look at problems in certain ways it's about critical thinking it's about looking mm. at a problem thinking okay what are the tools that i can use to break this problem down and, and generating the idea of kind of the algorithms and that is something that we don't i don't think we push enough mm. yet there are some teachers who do it I mean, it's something as, as a physics teacher, I try to kind of always go, yeah, sometimes there'd be days where you're going to go, look, for most of you, you're not going to ever need this again. Some of you are going to need this again. So, yeah, if, if you're going to go into engineering or physics like that, it's something to really pay attention to. The rest of you, yeah, you're going to need this for the exam, but you're probably not. And then there's other days where you kind of go in, right, we're, we're learning how to wire a plug today, an electrical plug. This could save you a fortune and it could save your life if you get it super right. Super useful in the UK, not so useful many other countries in the world. Where they have a thing, yeah. Everything's pretty well yeah, it's, But it's, yeah, it is kind of a, it's, it's a very useful skill to have, even if it's just the extent of, I used to sometimes say to students, look, at the moment you either need significantly more practice or you need to remember to get somebody else to do your plugs for you because at the moment, <laughs> yeah, not safe. <laughs> But you're quite right about the, the critical thinking, um, spot on, uh, you know, how, how do we solve problems? The other side of that, of course, is having enough knowledge and exposure to a concept to know what questions to ask, yeah. because there's no possible way, like, it, it, you know, the, the conversation come up comes up with mathematics, right? Um, so I don't need to know my times tables, but yeah, you need to know that they exist and how to enter that into your calculator. So you do yeah. need some level of exposure an understanding of, of that as a baseline. And then sort of extrapolate that out to more complex topics as well. Yeah, and it, there was a, a tweet from someone, um, I've sort of seen it as a, the usual, where one medium or one social media platform ends up being reposted in every other thing. So you see it with every logo as it's been nested further and further down the chain. But it was a, it was a tweet from someone saying, look, I, I'm a NASA engineer and I still have to look up the formula for whatever it was mm -hmm. you know and it's like my job is in this stuff it's okay to not know the every single little intricacy of yeah. everything mm -hmm. that you do for your job knowing that it exists and knowing how to find it is good enough yep yeah absolutely at least 80 percent of jobs yeah, yeah, actually being able to look something up is is is, is absolutely fine. Maybe if you if you mid brain surgery and you've got someone's skull in, you know opened up and and you have to then Google what the amygdala is, then maybe that's perhaps not the job for you. You, you say that, but at the same time, um, so I'm I'm a big flight person. Uh, I see you use the 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 picture of me upside down in an aerobatic aircraft as the thumbnail. That was pretty cool, um, but. Uh, you know, at the same time, um, if there's an emergency, time critical emergency in an airliner, first thing you mm -hmm. do, checklist. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, know how to look it up, follow the procedure, follow the process. Um, pretty much what well, most aircraft is a spin recovery checklist on the dash right in front of you. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I've seen a post-it note um, put on someone's plane. In an emergency, fly the plane. You know, just, <laughs> I like just, that. Well, it's aviate, navigate, communicate, right? So yeah. your first job as a pilot is to fly the dang plane, not to get on the radio and and, and get confused with, with passengers or um, you know run through random checklists or, or even to find a place to land yet. It's fly the dang plane because there's no point mm -hmm. in finding a landing spot if you've just stalled your aircraft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's the thing is, is figuring out where you are and information gathering i think is is the first step to solving any problem any any unknown you suddenly face it's just gather information whether it is a case of being in an exam and not understanding the question go back through a few pages figure out where you're at reread the question try and rephrase the question in your mind or you know whether you are stood there with a scalpel in your hand and someone's skull in the other hand you know it's it's Gather all yeah. the information you can first but before you then start panicking. Even if you, even surgeons going to major surgeries these days, like a, a lot of the, not not a lot, you know, sometimes they're doing practice runs as well. Yeah, with that surgery, just to you know, and I love that we're in a in that time in technology where we can have organs or parts of bodies three D printed um, with liquid inside those. That's really cool. I think Tom Scott did a piece on that. He um, did, yeah. Um, where, yeah, where there was things like arteries and so forth with liquid inside them. And then the surgeons doing a practice run with these 3D printed parts um, uh, to to figure it all out on this individual's anatomy as well. Yeah. So they've done the 3D scan of, of his specific anatomy to have a practice run at this critical surgery. Um, so, yeah, and, and that is the time to have the manual open for sure, to have, um, yeah. you know, consultants on the phone uh, other surgeons on the phone you go i got to this part was not expecting it at all um phone a friend yeah <laughs> for sure for sure and you know have you know write down those notes have them available for you in the middle of mm -hmm. that surgery you know there's nothing wrong with referring to notes I think as well that kind of loops back around to what we said earlier about you know kind of the those communities that are very willing to offer help you know if if you if you show willing and show look i've i've tried this approach i've done this i've done this people are then so much more willing to offer help or assistance or their experiences uh, i think you know if you, if you wander into a community going i've just bought this i don't know what i'm doing tell me everything i need to know it's a little bit more of an open-ended question rather than saying i've just turned my printer on it's making a funny noise is mm. this noise normal or do i need to do this next or this next or you know kind of give give people the option to help you as well at the same time just touching on the the, the point that was being made though about um uh sometimes you do have to have that knowledge you do not have time mm. you have to have this baseline knowledge um hats off to the cowboys and cowgirls in emergency departments just quickly, um, you know, my, yeah. my partner's uh, my partner's a nurse, and she's talked to a lot of a lot of um, people about their experiences in ED. Uh, and I remember just one point. I can't remember the specific situation. I'm not going to get into gory detail about it. Um, but there was someone who was, you know, about to die, and um, they went, 
I've seen this on a TV show once. I think they did it in house or something like that. Uh, I guess we'll give it a go because we have literally no other, we don't know how to fix this. Wow. Um, so, so they got, I saw it on a TV show once five years ago. How about we give that a go? And everyone just went there. They've got 15 minutes to live. What do we got to lose? Let's do it. Yeah. Save their life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Save their life. Um, but you, you know, I, I know, yeah, uh, ED can be, can be absolutely insane with, um, uh, with how, how to save someone's life. And it really is that deep knowledge of, well, we know this works. We know this works. We know this works. I guess this will work probably mm. yeah. let's give that a go. Yeah. Um, but, but you can only come up with those sorts of solutions if you have a really strong working knowledge of how everything else is working. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, it's yeah, it's just going to end bad no matter what you do. So yeah, hats, off I, I to, suppose... hats off to med, med, medical professionals in those sorts of environments. Hey, yeah, and I suppose those kind of like emergency dispatches and stuff are, are, are very much a case of uh, similar, you know, checklists and flowcharts, and you know, it's kind of it's it's sort of first tier tech support, but for meat sacks, isn't it? You know, it's that kind of right. We hear that there is. X has happened in this situation now, right? What do we need? What do we? Yeah, it's, it's order it's of operations. Paramedics for... actually out collecting, kind of here, meeting people at their time of greatest need. Mm. When they, yeah, you can, you can, tr- you have to train. It, in the forces, this kind of certainly is the phrase, sort of train hard, fight easy. You mm. train for every possible opportunity that you can. Mm based on the experience of your trainers based on the experiences of maybe your team but there's still going to be times when you turn up and go oh this is new uh, <laughs> yeah this is this this never seen this before never thought another perfect example of, of of where uh, training the soft skills as well is is super mm. useful on top of training the technicalities or those you know kind of uh, specifically trained skills the number one thing that, that I suppose my partner said about the, the difference between ED and uh, other wards um, is, um, you know, in, in general wards, you're going to have a lot of checklists, process, procedure. And, you know, you're going to have your oxygen in this drawer. You're going to have your, your blueies in this drawer, all that sort of stuff. In ED, completely the opposite train of thought completely the opposite train of thought it's not about process not about procedure it's about doing whatever it has to happen at that point in time to save that life yeah um, you know checklists be damned just do what you have to do but a lot yeah, of I would, I would argue you know, having known people that worked in kind of here i've known quite a few paramedics i've known quite a few people who've kind of worked in sort of trauma care um at various sort of levels and I would suggest that actually they can do that because the routines mm-hmm. are already so established. They are now second nature. Yeah. That they're automatically going through mental checklists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in some case, in some cases, actually a physical checklist, even yeah, but when you have a, a, a full in the, certainly in the UK, when there's a full blown kind of um, crash cart. So when somebody kind of goes into say, for example, cardiac arrest, it, even in the kind of, you know, the accident emergency, as we call it over here, you know, the cart gets, unless they're already in one of the kind of sort of resuscitation suites, a cart gets broken in and they're literally, yeah. I mean, they've already got checklists or establishing heads, but there's one of the, they'll have a team of say like 10 people working on one person. 
if they've got assuming there's not already a, a crazy amount of other people and there will be somebody literally kind of with a checklist and noting down yeah. like the times of when you know such a drug was administered and how you know if they've had mm. a defibrillator you know what charges and how many and they, they're going through a routine and kind of you know establishing that so that they've got that but they're, they're so practiced that when that 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 absolutely how on earth is this person still alive or this person is going to die out of None of us have seen anything like this, even with the, the years of experience that they, they probably have. And most emergency department teams have huge amounts of experience. And they go, okay, what, what, do we, what do we try? We've got to do something. We're not going to just stop. So we, mm -hmm. yeah, we've tried the, the, the routines are already being through. Mm -hmm. but it's problem solved. Yeah, yeah. and what that <laughs> references to a TV program or, or somebody's read a book on something sure. once that kind of talked about somebody, you know, Using a, a, a obviously you wouldn't do this in a, an emergency department, but yeah, using a, 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 a disposable pen and a coat hanger, the to, uh, tracheotomy, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, you get proper kits for it, you know. Um, you've watched my aircraft now, <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad was a paramedic, <laughs> yeah. He, he, and, and he, I, I, by paramedic, I mean he trained in the medical corps and then looked, jumped out of planes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, or a military head. medic <laughs> yeah um and he spent, he spent most of his career then working in sort of yeah allied sort of stuff so yeah I, I i knew i knew about that i mean I, yeah i watched mash as a kid as well but yeah, yeah. Like, they, they did the pin track you know what i mean in the uh, in match i think yeah 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 it's, I, I, it'll certainly it's, catch It's only if you had it done to you, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually probably wouldn't until later because, yeah, if you're having one of those done to you, you're probably you're having yeah, a bad day. Probably, yeah, you're having yeah. a bad day. It's, it's, yeah. it's when you sort of go, oh, was it a blue one or a black one? <laughs> <laughs> so, red. Oh, shit, they were an engineer. <laughs> teacher. <laughs> or a school teacher, yeah. <laughs> You go. Uh, 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 oh, yeah. I was going to say uh, that had a little bit of training once on how to do it. But I'm not sure if that, that's, again, that's quite a long time ago. I'm not sure if I could. I'm sure if it would. It's got well, the thing, right? Oh, isn't it? You know the concept exists. You know yeah. the the rough outline. And if you're in an yeah. emergency situation, yeah, no other options and send it. You know roughly where to. Do, you know roughly where to do it. You got to find there's a little dip. You got to find the little dip and then go in there. But. But yeah, I mean, again, there's got to be a YouTube video for it. You can just fire that up. <laughs> Finding the information. Sure, there is, actually. <laughs> yeah, can I just, I'll just Google it. Just a second. Yeah, someone got a better signal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, we know damn well it, there's going to be there'll be a YouTube video for it, and then there'll be a YouTube video telling you which are the best pens to use. <laughs> Which which of the EDC carry knives are the better ones to use to to administer it? EDC. Depending on which pen that you're going to use, <laughs> there'll be some. If there isn't already a channel dedicated to that kind of thing, oh, then it, it won't be long yeah. before it's it's the new Rule Thirty Four. There'll be some kind of you know equivalent rule of the internet for you know how, how long till 
YouTube account and a TikTok account appears that has that specific bit of niche knowledge. <laughs> but having, I think having not having knowledge is important. Yeah, it's. Uh, had this discussion once with somebody about kind of sort of survival, and the sort of the topic came up of survival kits. Mm. Um, yeah, and you can yeah you can spend a lot of money on survival kits, and there are plenty of people who want to sell these sort of survival kits for kind of you know, mm-hmm. being out in the wild and whatever. And yeah, this 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 person had a very high level of qualification in the you know, sort of survival instruction. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. You can buy you can buy the fancy Rambo knife with the you know, the, the handle full of fishing line Stuff and whatever. And the compass whatever. on the top. What, and... what would you do when you lose it? Or if it, somebody takes yeah. it off, you know, it's mm. like, can you still? Yeah. Oh yeah, wire saws. They're great. Can you make one? Yeah. How would you improvise it if you didn't actually have one? Again, if you've lost it, you know, it's broken. How do you replace it? Can you replace it? Have you got the skills to do that? Yeah. Again, it's it's more about kind of you. You said, yeah, the most important survival tool is is inside that thick bone I, up there. And it, it's it's a sliding scale, isn't it? As well, if you think, you know, if you've got survival when you are, you know, kind of pushed out of a moving vehicle in an environment you've never been to before, and you've got your hands tied behind your back and nothing else, or survival of like I'm going to another country I've never been to before. So my survival tools are a fully equipped hotel room and a car. Well, it could be a from, rough guide too. Yeah, a, yeah and, and a car from the airport to the hotel room and then a car from the hotel room to the place I'm going to. You know, that's two very extreme ends of, of survival as a place, you know, or as a thing when you go to a new place. So, yeah, you, you, you could spend a lot of money on a, on a nice fancy survival kit. Or just not go to that place where you need a big fancy survival kit. <laughs> Take a person who knows. Yeah, that's one way. Yeah. <laughs> do you, so, do you, should we uh, should we do the attention grabbers? You've already hinted towards that, Jamie. Yeah. So we'll get that point to the sort of the conversation we talk about things that uh, have been grabbing our attention, whether that's things we've been watching, reading, doing, something we've in the past, or whether it's something in the future. So. Uh, we normally kind of go sort of guest first. So, Jason, yeah, yeah. Attention lately? Well, I think Zach Freeman's about to drop another video on Void Star Lab um, on his YouTube. So, give a, a shout out to him. Um, his, uh, if you don't know him, um, he is, is the guy that sort of made uh, the Gridfinity system um, and, and sort of made that sort of uh, more popular. If you go to Thangs, there's an entire section just for Gridfinity there as well. <laughs> Uh, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of uh, action in the Goodfinity section of the Discord as well. But uh, he's also gone ahead and made Hextraction, uh, an open source. Uh, yeah, game. hexagonal game. Yeah, yeah, cool. because, yeah that looks really interesting. That yeah, it is. Yeah, it's cool. It's a lot of fun. I've, I've printed out some myself. So um, yeah, and it's an it's an open source game as well. So all of the tiles mm. um, anyone can make. Um, or make rules for as well. So if you don't have much uh, sort of design knowledge, um, you could get uh, you know just a standard straight tile uh, and make some rules for it. So if a ball rolls across the tile, what rules going to trigger? So you can get involved that way as well. But yeah, fun. If you if you've got nothing to print, extraction's a great one to print because <laughs> it'll take a couple of rolls of filament. It'll keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, lots of stuff. Lots of lots of 
really really cool mix on um uh the the, the people are doing um it's it's a lot of creativity there it's really really cool to see so a bit of shout out yeah um for for zach and his youtube channel uh, it's, i mean that's sort of the genesis for me right i yeah cruising around on on the internet found his channel uh, he did an interview with with billy rubin yeah um yeah. which is how i found billy's disco channel and how i met you uh you as well so mm. yeah that's yeah sort of the pathway there it's it's interesting isn't it how the sort of paths into kind of different communities happen yeah, yeah. a lot of people get into kind of sort of the, the maker community if they're kind of maybe wood or metal through people like jimmy Deresta, for example mm -hmm. um or, or bob claggett you know the kind of the big youtubers um but then obviously yeah different people have slightly different interests but yeah how you know if we take for example yeah yeah all three of us are in sort of billy's discord server and yeah we and void stuff we've all arrived, and we've all arrived in slightly different directions yeah and it's it's interesting kind of how the sort of those have come about and then yeah how you, you become friends with people and find yeah the sort of similarities and um and i think it's through billy's interview with ali that i got to to know ali yes yeah because yeah. mm. it's like yeah i've never come across ali before that it's just like oh and of course they're, they're also a, a a fellow mod on billy's discord yes yes are. Yeah, and at some point we might have a. Hopefully, we'll have a a, a mod group, mod squad, <laughs> mod squad chat, on <laughs> waffle, and yeah, hopefully we can uh, get Billy along as well if possible. And yeah. uh, obviously, it's difficult with you guys being uh, in your different time zone. Um, yes. Yeah. Hello from the future. <laughs> <laughs> the other side of the planet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are. Yeah, it's Monday morning for you guys. Yeah, it's it's. It is. We're almost on Monday morning here in the UK, but the sun's the sun's properly up now. It's almost nine a.m. on a Monday morning. <laughs> what a great way to start your week, having a chat with yes. a, a couple of mad tricks. <laughs> we can only apologise. <laughs> Jamie, what's been grabbing your attention? Uh just playing with stuff. I, I had a, a a bit of a busy day yesterday. I, I went up a, back up to the motherland, um, to the, the pilgrimage home, to spend the day with my mum, which is a, a, a lovely, long overdue kind of uh, visit. Um, but then today, I've, I've just been kind of playing and pottering and doing bits of stuff, catching up with the Magic Geekdom and their, their kind of travels through the UK and, you know, kind of bits of stuff like that. They're, they're a, a lovely American couple who kind of, they're just full-time travelers now. Um, you know, they, they kind of uh, work from wherever they are. So they just go and explore different places. Um, and they're currently kind of doing a, a bit of a tour of the UK and um, kind of different cities that they go to and, you know, kind of they, they've, uh, the, the sort of journey over the last few years has been, um, you know, kind of doing the odd occasional UK food taste test when people send stuff across and things like that. And then they, they kind of finally visited the UK and fell in love with the place. And then have kind of, they're doing a, an extended visit now, seeing more of it and trying to live the life a little bit more and things. So 
yeah, kind of catching up with them while playing with Raspberry Pis and servers and pottering about with all the bits I've been neglecting, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's been me. How about you, Andy? That was good. What's been grabbing your uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, market the the uh, public exam marking has started. Uh, so it started last week, and it's it, it's always a bit of a slow start because you have to. There's there's a lot of quality assurance processes in place uh, for kind of sort of sort of marking, um, so you have to kind of you have to do some preliminary marking and sort of make sort of look at the mark scheme and you know sort of see if there's anything you think is not right about the mark schemes, uh, and you, you you get to see some question some responses from students in that. Was all done electronically nowadays. Mm. Uh, once that is done, you have to wait until the kind of mark scheme's been finalised by the principal examiner and him and their team. Then you have to do some practice. They they run up a, some practice ones. If you look at where there's sort of feedback, you, you mark them, but then there's feedback. Um, so you can kind of and you make additional sort of little notes, and you, they always pick kind of you know, awkward little ones. Uh, there's some straightforward ones, but they always sort of pick some awkward little ones as well then you have to do a qualification round so you know you get 10 question 10 of each question that you're marking and you've got to get at least eight of them exactly the same um mm -hmm. as the sort of marker uh, the principal examiner rather so yeah and it doesn't matter if you do drop a couple it's you're not it's the way the marking works now they would have already been marked anyway so your score wouldn't make any difference to those ones um, but it's about getting kind of you matching following the same, yeah, you're getting consistency. Mm. And even then, yeah, if there are, so for example, for, oh, I can't remember the figures now, actually. Uh, there are obviously tens of thousands of students do this particular exam board that I, I'm working for. Um, so let's, let's just pick an easy number. Let's say there were 10,000 students. There's, there's significantly more than that. So there are 10,000 answers to question number 1A on the mm. paper. That won't be marked 10,000 times. That will be marked 12,000. So each question, questions will get marked multiple times by other people just to sort of double check. And there's some overlap. Sort of, there's mm. some what they call validity checking. So if I mark, so today, for example, I've marked a couple of hundred of each of the five questions that I've, I've done. And there will be for each of them somewhere between uh, sort of seven and ten validity questions that have already been marked by the principal examiner, and I, they'll normally begin be the more awkward ones. I have to have matched those. If I don't, it gets flagged up, and mm -hmm. there's kind of you know, there's procedures in place then to make sure that I am back on track before there's doing so. I mean, at the moment, I'm on. I've got 100% in my qualification, and I've got 100% so far in my validation. So I'm I'm quite happy with that. Um, yeah, it's okay if you make a sort of the old mistake. Sometimes there are just there's awkward little questions. It's just like it's it's as, a well, as a teacher, there's the, the element of you can read a paper. Yeah, well, I've I've marked tens of thousands of questions over the years, and you can you can sometimes read into a question. You can kind of I know what you're trying to say. Mm and it sometimes it's difficult to kind of go yeah but you haven't actually used exactly mm. the right word so you cannot unfortunately have the mark 
Yeah. And sometimes it's really quite tricky to kind of you know, establish that. So it depends, and it depends partially on how well the the, the mark schemes have been written. So it's uh, yeah, it's a little bit. I'm, I'm tired now, much more tired than I would normally be. You know? It's a hot hot day. That's that's bad enough. But then I had kind of many hours of marking. Um, so that's also, that's that's going to be my next uh, next five weeks. So I'm, I've got two different lots of marking. One's got to be finished by the end of first uh, of July. And then I've got another two weeks to do the other one. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be my busy time for anything. Uh, but I expect most of the time, I was still waiting for, because at every stage you have to do, so once you've done your qualification marking, I had to wait uh, after the qualification marking before I could start. I then had to do, once I got given the go-ahead, then I have the next stage, which is what I did today, was I had to mark between 10 and 15% overall of for each question i've now got to wait for my team leader to kind of come back to me and go yep i've had a little look through your marking's fine now you can carry on but then i'll only be able to go to probably 25 or 35 percent possibly 50 percent varies sometimes depending on um team leaders and teams and then i'll have to tell them i've, that, I've got that far now I have another check and then carries on checks along the way just lots of calibration basically and validation yeah. yeah yeah which is which is good i mean and from a yeah but, uh, calibrating the humans teacher, yeah, yeah. Teacher, knowing that gives you more confidence if you if yeah. i was still teaching it would give me more confidence to know that the exams were generally being marked properly and well yeah you hear horror a, stories in the media yeah I, I think as a student as well um, so like hearing something like that, just knowing that you're getting a fair mark, no, it doesn't matter. It's not yeah. the individual. It's not a personal bias. Yeah. None of that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very heavily calibrated. Yep. And you're not and being it's, singled it's, out for anything it's specific. Better to, it's, I think it's better now than it used to be as well. Cause yeah, if you mm. go back, mm -hmm. a, go back a few years, you know, literally if I was marking a few years ago, I would have literally had a parcel of papers arrived. And I would have to work through every question on that. Mm -hmm. I'd have to send them off for check-in at various stages, a much slower process. Yeah. And yeah, I I already now have the, the mark scheme. I'm only marking five questions. That is dialed in already. Yep. Yeah, I've marked five questions there. I've marked 200 and somewhere between 220 and 300, because it's very slightly. If you've got a question, one of my questions is really easy. Yeah, it's 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 worth one mark, and it's it's a number they've got to get. And if they don't get that nice. number, they're going to go, yeah, it's, uh, it's not difficult to mark. Um, so you can literally kind of go, yes, mark, submit, yes, submit, yes, submit, yes, submit, or one, yeah, zero, one, zero, one, submit. So it's really, really quick. So it's easy to kind of go, oh, yeah, I may have got to 17% instead of 15 because I got in the flow and there were a lot of right answers. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's yeah it, it is reassuring it is good yeah i've got the mark scheme dialed in already in my head so yeah yeah that i've got a couple of awkward questions um where there's lots of it's wordy and the wordier question answer is the more likely there is to be kind of things like ah uh, you kind of got it but not quite mm. <laughs> uh, you were close 
Yeah. You didn't say the three words I needed you to say. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you have to have Especially, an exact yeah, word. Yeah. Or they, they spell a word incorrectly. Yeah. There's, there are some words that are obviously very similar. Um, so if you say one word, but actually it's supposed to be the other one that has four of the same letters, but isn't quite that word. And although they're from the same topic, doesn't count. So yesterday I was waiting to get kind of the go ahead. Um, so I, I was, I've been trying to clear some of the stuff out of my workshop to make space for my air cleaner. Um, Cause I really need to put the air cleaner off the floor. Um, but it's such a small workshop. I haven't got the ceiling space to just hang it from the ceiling. So I need to clear a shelf. So far I've managed to empty four one liter ice cream tubs. So, on the subject of air cleaners, I'm, I'm I'm slightly frustrated. I have to say, just as a, a little personal rant, I'm slightly frustrated at the, uh, the the struggle that we have over here as Brits in seeing so much media coming from the US of how to make a super cheap air filter with 600 by 600 box fan filters and duct tape and a box fan that you can get from the store down the shop down the road yeah. we can't get any of that stuff over here <laughs> it's really frustrating because it seems not like easily a... i mean you get you I mean, you can actually get the filters yeah you can certainly get the sort of uh yeah but not like 500 by 300 filters because i've got yeah for, for extractor fans over your again the one yeah not getting like... the, the big box yeah getting the big box yeah you can't just yeah. like go down to this to the shop and there's like a shelf with 15 different variants of the same thing all for a tenner a piece it's yeah it's a, it's a frustration that we can't build a cheap good air cleaner for our homes or workshops because everything bloody expensive when we try and do that yeah, oh, oh the story, yeah somebody yeah somebody <laughs> you know talking about their um their workshop here and sort of how little space they had and yeah it's just like yeah my workshop's about the size of your bench <laughs> your table saw and outfit table would not fit in my workshop the struggle is real uh yeah real problems so yeah trying to do that i'm trying to i'm trying to de-junk it, it's it's a slow process because as i've talked about before right, there is that kind of but that could be useful mm. not a hoarder not mm. a hoarder not how many how many how many how many kind of euro, euro fitting kitchen hinges do i need to keep <laughs> the cheap yeah. always, one, them, always one more than you do but that's it isn't it yeah but but when yeah. you've got like 20 of them do you actually need 20 of them well i mean so some of them are, I've, got, I've got i've got rid of some but i have kept maybe four yeah yeah but so you're going to need, need five <laughs> Yeah, and you'll always, <laughs> or, or you'll have four, or you'll, or you'll have five, but only four of one type. But you need five. I might actually have five, but four of them of one type and the same make, <laughs> and one of them is. So four, four of them are kind get, of yeah, get only the going one. 90, get, get the four one. Get the one. Ninety. Uh, no, well, throw it degrees. as far as you can. Yeah, I've got. Well, I've got four that go. The hundred degree hinges, so they kind of go from kind of yeah, closed to kind of open a little bit, and then one's a hundred one. I've got one single one hundred eighty. I don't know why I've got one single one. I must have installed ah, came as I think it came as a three pack for my corner <laughs> kitchen corner cabinet. Get that single one, throw it as far as you can. 
Uh, my, 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 my conservatory is slowly starting to look like a scrap metal. Um, There's people uh, you can call, place. Andy, to, to get yeah. rid of that stuff. <laughs> well, hopefully I'm going to take it to the scrap metal thing and get some money for it. Yeah. <laughs> but I need to get, I need to go, th- I, I don't want to do two trips, so I, I need to get all the possible scrap metal out of the, my workshop and shed before I do it. <laughs> uh, I don't know, yeah, if I go there and get, yeah, might get, yeah, 30 quid for a, a, a car full, yeah, I don't want to then go up and go, like, okay, yes, Mr. Pew, that'll be yeah, 25 pence we'll give you for that. <laughs> Tell me what they'll probably just say is, get off our property, <laughs> <laughs> leave the hinge, you can go. <laughs> uh, no, Jason, as we put in the kind of sort of description, you don't really do social media, but yeah, people want to find you basically pretty much like if go to the Discord for Void Star or, or Billy and. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really if you want to track it down, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, Billy's Discord or uh, um, uh, Void Star Lab uh, uh, Discord, either of those. Um, yeah, yeah. Always happy for a, for a chat on either one of those. Um, every now and then we'll do a. a time zones <laughs> for me for me it's a sunday morning well that'd be that'd be a saturday evening for you guys yeah saturday evening um, yeah. yeah um on sometimes on billy's discord uh, that's yeah, a late kind one of a, actually. A, that, a, that starts at about that'd be midnight-ish yeah saturday. midnight 11 o'clock some of like that yeah kind of yeah um, hang out and just hang out and make mutual making yeah, it's pretty much this but yeah um but yeah but there's always you know some good discussions going on in both of those discords so yeah yeah and it's, there's some very both... very talented people in oh hugely as well very much so yeah it's, it's a melting pot for a very very approachable lovely people who are hugely insightful on massively varied topics mm-hmm. absolutely yeah very good places to be indeed on that note i think as it's uh it's yes yeah, midnight here so we'll uh we'll say goodbye yeah. to the uh the listeners uh and the jason thank you so much for joining us it's been a, an absolute pleasure to spend the evening with you all right thank you so much for uh, for inviting me in Early it's been Monday fantastic morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Genuinely, though, it is a good way to start the week. So, a bit buzzed now. It's really good. Good. Excellent. Right. Well, we'll say goodbye to folks, and we'll we'll see everyone next week. Where? Indeed. I think we're a bit closer to home next week. Uh, yeah. I guess. That's <laughs> uh, not difficult to be no, closer to home from the other side <laughs> of the planet. This is true. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's all relative. I think, I, think New, I think New Zealand would be slightly further away. I mean, they're basically part of Australia, so. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just one of the, it's just one of the off islands, isn't it? Just yeah. East and East Australia, it's fine. Yeah. else? <laughs> right, bye, folks. Okay, bye, folks. See ya. <laughs>